Hello you, welcome back. Yes, it's another episode of Beyond the Studio. Paul Nolan here, your host, owner and founder of NYT. You know the dance by now, it's episode 17. Oh, well, if you don't know the dance, well, welcome. You know, have a listen and see whether you fancy subscribing, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or subscribing to our YouTube channel where you can find video versions of all these episodes. Get the plug in early. So yes, episode 17 today. This is another cracker. Just hot off the heels of last week's amazing conversation with Rashi the Jarmy, which I enjoyed greatly. Literally a few hours afterwards or 24 hours afterwards, I had an outstanding conversation with Braxton, who is also releasing on Anjuna Deep and a host of other labels. Really great guy, really interesting fella. And we really went deep on like creative process, plugins, the fact that he's still running Logic 9 after all these years, which I kind of love, to be honest. I think that's really cool. You know, we talked about that, about how DAWs are a little bit like your musical instrument in that way, where, you know, Nile Rogers has his Fender Strat that he learned to play guitar on, which went on to be responsible for about a billion dollars worth of music sales, at least. And how it's important to just find a setup that works for you. And obviously everything that happened over the last year or so, which is obvious by now, you know, with everything that's gone on, hopefully we seem to be on the way out of it now so we can stop having conversations like, how was your lockdown? I'm looking forward to those things being a thing of the past, including daft statements like, in these difficult times. God, I hate them when people say that. It's just, oh, boring, get on with it. Anyway, enough of my moaning and procrastinating. Here's the conversation I had with Braxton. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Mr. Braxton, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm very good. How are you? All the better for speaking to you. <laughs> yeah, All nice. good. Where do we uh, Where do we find you at the moment? Where do you Where are you um, based? I'm in Brighton. Lovely Brighton. Although it's, I mean, it's been the weather's been quite nice the last few days, but it's hmm. horrible out there at the minute. It's chucking it down. So I'm kind of got the curtains drawn kind of just thinking about what i can do for the afternoon maybe just wow. sitting here a bit more. yeah exactly right yeah well you know here's me coming in and ruining your afternoon plans <laughs> by coming in and t- talking to you about geeky stuff for no, however funny. long this goes on for yeah it gives me something to do otherwise i would have just probably sat and played video games all afternoon and gone to bed feeling miserable that's that's usually what happens well at least you'll find something constructive and i'm liking the uh the authenticity of hearing the seagulls of bright yeah, in the they, background getting those three. so there's, there's yeah. scaffolding just outside my house because i think they're painting the front of this house and every 45 minutes or so a couple of pigeons and seagulls land and have a little nose in the window and stuff so you might hear maybe one or two of those in the next kind of couple of hours or so we'll see are the uh, are the seagulls as aggressive down there as they are up north? They are horrendous. They are absolutely horrendous. I mean, I've been here for like 15 years, so I'm very much mm. used to it. But the amount of times, I've, like if you walk along the seafront, you'll see people kind of wildly holding like crepes or fish and chips and just kind of walking along eating. And you see like a, a, a swarm of seagulls go down and just yank that stuff straight out of their hands. It's incredible. Mm. It happened to me once up here. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious because like I was in a I was in, in a at a Pret a Manger in Liverpool one in the yeah. big shopping centre there, 
And it was about those really lovely evenings, you know, like sunset. I was like, right, get me coffee. Like, I'm on my way to London on the train, like back yeah. in the days when, you know, you could go between cities and stuff. Yeah, when you could and, do uh, things. When you could actually do things and have a life, <laughs> yeah. right? So go and get me chocolate croissant and me cup of coffee. And I'm sat there outside the prep, like, you know, trains in about 45 minutes, got plenty of time anyway, right? I sit down. Grab me croissant, and I'm literally in the process of putting it in my mouth, and this <laughs> this seagull just goes woof, and he's just gone with it. And I walk back into the prep, laughing my head off, and the staff had seen it behind the counter, wow. and I was like, "Did you just see that?" And they were like, "Oh yeah, that's Basil." <laughs> and it turns out it's this one really right. fucking aggressive seagull that has a real love of pastry. It's amazing. So thankfully they saw it and they gave me another one, but I uh, I tucked myself back indoors from then on. That's yeah, a bit, bit of a bit of a yeah. complex, like looking just, over just my shoulder, look, looking over my shoulder every time I got a croissant, just in case there was a <laughs> seagull there waiting to take it off me. Like just bizarre, mate. Bizarre. I love Brighton. I've, I've not spent that much time down there, but like on the occasions I've been down there, it's a wicked yeah. place, man. It's great. No, it's great. I love it. I, I kind of moved down quite a while ago, and it's like the first place I lived where I was kind of felt it felt like home a little bit. Like I felt like I kind of I could relax a little bit, and then yeah, I just never left. Yeah, because it's got like a real independence to to it. Yeah. it? it's like it's got a real independent yeah, spirit to it. And like on the couple of occasions I've been down there, I felt like this sounds a bit strange, but I felt like a very like Liverpool kind of vibe. Yeah, there. there's a lot of I think it's Liverpool or Bristol, somewhere like that. It's kind of there's mm. a, there's a lot of like the people are really good. Everyone kind of gets on, and it's very much like any you can just do whatever you want, and no one really bats an eyelid. Like no one cares. That's the great thing about it. like no in 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 uh, no one cares about the stuff that there's no need to care about. Do you know what I mean? It's just kind of like you could just walk down the street wearing whatever you want, shouting whatever you want, and no one will be no one will bat an eyelid at all. It's just like okay, that's just some yeah, that's just that dude. He's mm. having a great time. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty much the same up here in Liverpool. It's like as long as you're not hurting someone else, like yeah, no exactly, one's bothered yeah. really, you know. Yeah. Now it's all good. So are you originally from uh, Brighton or are you? No, from I live. I, I grew up in Crew. Just around your neck of the woods, or near near your neck of the woods, I guess. I was going to say the accent really gives it away. Yeah, yeah. I kind of drift in and out a little bit because I've been down here for quite a while, so I kind of yeah, I tend to drift in and out of different accents a little bit. I, I swear in in North though, so good, good, good yeah. northern swearing like well, elevates or, it to an art yeah, form. Exactly. I think it absolutely does. Every single swear word sounds better in Northern, so it's, I can't yeah, can't can't do that. Can't get rid of that. <laughs> excellent, excellent, mate, excellent. So in terms of like music, then I mean, because obviously you know you've you've been doing amazing stuff as well with you know what you what you've been doing on like labels like Unity, for example and stuff yeah. like you know what's what's the last sort of i mean obviously like <laughs> i should have a neon sign in the background saying okay pandemic talk now yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just like it's just the inevitable yeah. thing like you know um what's the last year been like for you has it been a productive year have you been one of those artists who because i've spoken to people who've literally just been loving it and have just like okay yeah. all well, i do is thing. go out have a coffee come back studio and that's it and then i've spoke to other artists who were just like i'm hanging out my arse here and i've got no yeah. inspiration because i'm not out amongst people that's, do you know that's what i mean the crazy thing i think that's the like for me it, I, th I think it always comes down to what almost like what the sort of music you produce because for me i'm, I'm and a, a lot of music musicians that i know all tend to be quite introverted anyway so as soon as a kind of first lockdown hit it was almost mm. kind of i mean it sounds insensitive now obviously but it was almost kind of like excitement and a bit of kind of curiosity about what was going to happen because it was like, mm. well, cool. Like I, 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 my life is pretty much quarantine anyway. So now I just get to do that and everyone else is doing it as well. So it, was, it kind of made no difference really. So I was kind of writing quite a lot. And then it sort of hit a point after a few couple of months, maybe where I was just like this, I, you know, this is 
getting really tough. It's getting tough to kind of like produce certain types of music, you know, club-based music and things like that. It, everything kind of transitioned a little bit for me, but it was good because I got, you know, got to explore different ideas and buy some, you know, little bits of other equipment and try little things out, do things that I kind of didn't really feel like I had the time to do before. So it's been it's been a bit of both, but I'm obviously more than ready now to get get out of the house. Oh, definitely, definitely. I'm just waiting for the uh, the government's advisory on when I can get on one of those things with wings that we all used to get oh, on called yeah, yeah, aeroplanes. Yeah. So, yes. yeah, so I'm hoping to fit a, a trip to Portugal in the nice. next sort of couple of months Yeah. and see my, where that um, all goes. My other half lives in Stockholm, so that's been a bit of a challenge because it's mm. we, we we tend to... we like well, I travel quite a lot over there and she'll, she'll come over here quite a lot as well, so there's been a lot of that going on. And then obviously that completely stopped in the new year so i've got tickets booked for towards the end of may which i'm just like i'm i'm right now i'm already just kind of checked out a little bit i'm just not really it's like i can't really commit to anything because in three weeks i'm going to stockholm for a week so i don't really i can't think about anything at all it's just like that's now my life sort of thing for the next few weeks just kind of just it's almost like i need some sort of rhythm to come back before i can kind of focus on the next thing i guess it's a bit bizarre Yeah, yeah. Another, another good friend of mine, or a couple of good friends of mine are in Stockholm, actually, or around yeah. Sweden. Um, you know Le Flair? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sana's a, a good friend, and I'm really good friends oh, nice. with her other half, Justin, Justin Masai. They used to be a resident at Watergate. Well, they used to be they were residents together. Oh, wow. And nice. uh, they, they moved, I mean, to show you how transformative the last year's been, obviously there's been no gigs for either of them. Yeah. So Sana actually went back to being a pharmacist at a hospital. Wow. Wow, fair play. Has been working all the way through the pandemic, like yeah, in yeah. that regard. And then doing live streams and doing the odd bit here or there, but you know, just it shows you just like how, how shifting it can be for everyone, yeah, you know. Definitely. Yeah, it's well, that's, definitely that's the thing for me, like I've I've always had well, I've always had I've I've been working part time uh, in a shop in Brighton for like the last few years. And there's been opportunities where I've been where I could just sort of stop working. But if anything, especially with this pandemic, it's kind of I've just it's it's been great to have something else to kind yeah. of go out and focus on and do for like you know I'm only I'm only like 20 hours a week sort of thing but it means I can just go and do something and engage and interact with people for like an afternoon or a day or a couple mm. of hours or whatever and it just yeah it, it I think that's been the main thing that's kind of kept me sort of level over the last few months definitely yeah totally totally it's definitely been ab- I mean it's been absent for me to to a certain extent because like I felt exactly the same way you did where I had like the initial rush. Yeah. And I think there's like the adrenaline of like coming yeah. down off the momentum. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. you know, like, like I'm sure it is for yourself. Like, you know, I, I travel quite a lot, you know, just before the lockdown happened last year, you know, I was in LA for a little bit and then yeah. back and forth and I was all over the UK. And then finally coming into the lockdown, it was like, like you say, like it was a weird sense of like, curiosity excitement in a weird way it was absolutely exciting i've I've kind of sort of felt guilty ever since because it was like why did i feel like that then obviously you don't really know but at the the time it was kind of like this is quite this is almost kind of cool it's novel isn't it it's it's a unique situation so there is like a kind of a a curiosity which leads to a natural excitement because it's the unknown and it's the yeah. the positive aspect of the fear of the unknown to an extent yeah exactly the thing i realized as well and especially in that first lockdown was like i've always felt kind of introverted and kind of I quite i like my own space and i like kind of the way that i work I, I, I don't really kind of leave this room almost i'm always in it sort of writing stuff or as much as possible anyway mm. 
And I kind of I can deal with that because if there's noise outside, if there's people outside, if there's traffic and things like that, is is knowing that there's a life going on outside kind of main, makes my life indoors easier. But in that, that first lockdown, when it was just silent, it that was just terrifying. After a couple of weeks, I was just like, I can't deal with this. Mm. I can't deal with how quiet it is when I go to bed. I can't deal with how quiet it is when I'm sort of sat here working sort of thing. It was mm. just, yeah, that was, that was, I think that's when things, you know, that's when a struggle kind of hit, I guess. It's weird, isn't it? Because I heard so many producers, like I saw all the memes going off around the time of that first lockdown, which was like, music producers, we've trained all of our lives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was quite funny at the time, it but was, then it's yeah. like, it's that whole thing. serious. Yeah, and then it gets serious because it's yeah. like, you know, it's like you, you don't want to, you, you choose not to do those things because yeah. you can choose to do them. Exactly, yeah. If and you as want, soon and when as that, that choice is taken away, it's like, exactly. well, now you're screwed. Now you yeah. have to live with your decisions. It's like, okay, well. Yeah, exactly. I exactly. Hate this. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, for me, like on a personal level, it's been a catalyst for quite a lot of like personal growth. Yeah. And I yes. think one of the reasons why people really struggled, and understandably so, and this is not a criticism of anyone. Yeah. Because we all lead such busy lives, right? And when you're actually forced to sort of sit and do nothing, yeah. like all those things we've been kind of running away from have a habit of kind of like slowly but surely creeping to the surface. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. it's like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to deal with that now because I've yeah. got nothing to distract myself yeah. with. Shit, yeah, another game was... of FIFA, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's, yeah. And then insomnia hits. And it's like, okay, well, oh. I can't sleep because now I'm thinking about all of the things that I need to be doing. Yeah, yeah. Just, I'm actually in that position even now, like weirdly, yeah. like even coming out of it, because like, I mean, I must admit, like I, I did adjust to it pretty well. Because yeah, that same. other thing you were saying about, about you know, having somewhere else to go and something else to do, yeah. you know, I had this, like yeah, I, had, exactly. I had MYT, I built this platform and in a weird way. And again, I, like you were saying about feeling guilty, I almost felt guilty in a, in a similar way because it was like when all the lockdowns hit, like we, we just grew we almost doubled in size overnight and it was like i'm super grateful for this but i feel guilty for it because of the situation through which it's actually happened but you you soon learn to like lean into it because what you realize what i realized is like people are signing up for this because they need my help yeah and they need community and they need something to kind of like structure their weeks by so you know we were doing like you know twice weekly live streams with our members yeah. And like literally some of our members were contacting me saying like, I literally only know what day of the week it is by when you're online. That's incredible. That's great. You know? I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing. That's, you know, that's the thing that will kind of get you out of that. That's the amount of encouragement that must give you and the amount of inspiration that must give you to kind of just keep doing it and grow further and further. Cause there's people out there that do need help and do need support. And if, if you can help in any sort of way. Well, that's it, mate. That's it. And, and, you know, we always set ourselves up as being something that's a little bit more than just like a music production platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, don't get me wrong, there's plenty of really good ones out there. You know, yeah. we're fans of many of them, but, <clears throat> you know, we, we wanted to do something a little bit more, you know, holistic, a little bit more on yes. like yeah. the, the, the sort of the totality of what it takes yeah, yeah. to, to well, be there's, like there's, a top level there's, artist. There's, yeah, there's so many kind of variables, in, especially in this industry. There's so many things that you kind of need to, it's not just a bit about being able to kind of write decent songs and churn out decent music. It's like, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a really challenging lifestyle that you need to, that if you want to be successful, you need to kind of learn how to harness almost. Cause if you, mm. if you don't, it'll, it'll engulf you or take over you. And, and then, you know, and we've seen it, we've seen it with other artists in the past that have just kind of like burnt themselves out or whatever. And it's just like, well, it's, it's, you need to be in control of these sort of things. You need to kind of, you know, 
but yeah any any anything that you that you that you can do to kind of help that and help those sort of people is yeah it's positive in my opinion no absolutely absolutely and it gave me something to focus on outside of you know when that adrenaline rolled off yeah, yeah. and it was like i'm not really feeling inspired myself yeah. because like I'm I'm similar to you in that like I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit of a well I am a I am a weirdo you've probably established that by now <laughs> I think we all but, are aren't we uh, well, we are we are in yeah. our own little weird ways right yeah. but uh, you know I'm like I'm I'm in I'm different depending upon the situation so in certain situations I'm really extrovert yeah like, yeah I know what you mean I'm, at the I'm, rave I'm balls yeah, out yeah, basically yeah. do you know what I mean yeah, yeah yeah whereas like but when I've had my little period of like just being all out there yeah it's yeah. like i like to go home and, and yeah. nobody sees me for a week and i'm happy yeah, in my it. own space yeah. and i'm happy in my own company right that's so i'm an it. introvert in some situations and an extrovert in others yeah everything in moderation that's what it is and everything in moderation including moderation exactly mate it's the just, famous oscar wilde yeah quote. exactly yeah that's it yeah. Like me and my girlfriend say about like she lives overseas so we, we kind of obviously don't get to spend a lot of time with each other but when mm. we do it's just it's like it's chaos and it's and then and then when we're not, it's just we're both just back to normal, like it, like at the drop of a hat sort of thing. Everything's just kind of normal again. I guess that's what you could call it. Yeah, totally, totally. And I and I can appreciate where you're at in that situation because I've been in that situation myself with previous yeah, yeah. partners as well. Where you know I've been here and like my other half has been living in like LA, for example. Or yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. It's it's tough, mate. It's it's really tough. Mate. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's difficult, but, you know, so worth it for those moments that you get to spend together, right? Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, completely. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of, like, you know, what you were saying, like, going back to, like, seeing life happen outside, like, I very much need that in order to be inspired. Like, yeah. I need that movement and unique experiences and meeting new people and going to places that have not been before. Yeah. And I think, for me, it was a process of actually, like, I did beat myself up about it for a few months, to be honest. But after a while, I was just like, I've, I've just got nothing to say. Yeah, and you yeah, know yeah. what? That's okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I think, again, like you know, we were talking before we come on air, mostly about football. Yeah. About about like Spotify, and like how the way streaming and stuff is kind of like, and also as well, like you know, the modern dance music industry. Mm. It's a it's an exercise, and you've got to consistently just churn out music consistently as yeah. a grind all well, that's the time. It. That's, you know, these sort of platforms as well. Spotify is kind of designed on if you, like just creating new music continuously. That's mm. the way that kind of algorithm works, isn't it? It's just like mm. based on if you're churning stuff up every single week or every couple of weeks, then it's it's gonna favor you over everyone else sort of thing which is just an insane way of thinking about music production because no one is that prolific and, and, nor, and general, nor should right? be nor should they be as well it's like i you know think that this art is difficult it should be difficult to create it should be it should take time to create it shouldn't be kind of like you know but yeah it's almost like everything is now dictated by streaming which is mm. utterly terrifying <laughs> <laughs> wait wait until you can actually really dj with your spotify account yeah, which is exactly right That's... round the corner yeah, you know right. you could just write a song 10 minutes before you go on stage upload it to spotify and play it it's, oh, it's, it's yeah crazy. Where, uh, yeah there's no space to breathe that's the thing it's just yeah very true and like I've, I've mentioned this on a number of episodes of the podcast and i always like i always go back to an interview i saw with david bowie about this yeah. 
and it was when he had that you know that really long break in between albums yeah, of like yeah. i think it was like 12 years or something yeah. between albums 10 years or something and the journalist just flat out asked him he's like what have you been doing for the last 10 years and uh david bowie just looked at him and went i'm nothing to say <laughs> that's it and it, like it never occurred to him to like oh well, well i'll just I, I need to make i need to make an album to kind of fill yeah, this gap yeah, in my yeah. release schedule that's you know it, yeah and yeah, all now, that, he just went, yeah. nah, ta-da, I'm off, be, bye. It. Like, nowadays, the, the schedule's, d- like, dictating our behaviours, almost, as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, so if it, I tend to work it, I'll write music and I'll, I'll send it out to, you know, artists or labels or whoever, and then if they like it, they can release it. I, I, I hate the idea of working the other way around, where you get approached to do an EP, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, well, I haven't got an EP for you yet, mm-hmm. so let's not talk about that let's not set deadlines and do anything like that because that's just my brain doesn't work like that i can't get yeah. engaged in the project in that sort of way mm. so it's obviously a lot slower for me but it's just you know it's hopefully it's a bit more honest i guess yeah totally and i've got a very kind of like arse ways way of doing things yeah yeah yeah. first and foremost because i'm a scouser we do everything backwards in liverpool <laughs> but 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 mostly because like i i <laughs> this is where i'm going to start sounding a little bit like you know Lawrence Olivier, almost. Yeah, it's go, like, no, but do it. yeah. what's my what's my motivation? Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, what what totally am I true. writing about? What what's yeah. it, what's it about? Like, what, what what message am I trying to convey with this? Like, and I always remember, like, I was um, I was working with with Sasha on the Scene Delete album in oh, LA yeah. by twenty fifteen. Me and him in the studio all day, every day for like six months. It was just hilarious. And like, he's so instinctive. Okay, and it's wonderful because like he, he doesn't think about any of that. He's absolutely my biggest idol in the in the entire world. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's I'll probably bonkers. break your heart by telling you he's a Liverpool fan, but there you go. No, that's fine. That's all right. I, I can deal with that. <laughs> like a club to me now, so it's fine. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Well, you're from Crew. You're from Crew. <laughs> yeah, you're from I'm the feeder. Yeah, you're yeah. from the feeder club, anyway, aren't well, you? My, do you know what I mean? All my family. So my family's split between Crystal Palace and Liverpool. My dad's oh, a Palace oh, fan. God. God, that's a conflict, isn't it? I know it is. The history. It's hilarious. And it's funny for me every single season because it's like, oh, I can't wait for those two Especially, especially this season with yeah. like the 7-0 at uh, yeah, exactly. Salas Park. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. So exactly. I was going to say, do you have family gatherings where you get the VHS of the they, 9-0 at Anfield it's, out it's and all that? They, it's getting to the point where they're like, I think they just don't talk. They just won't talk to each other. <laughs> like my brother-in-law and my About dad football. just like, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, we're not talking. Just we'll, to qualify we'll give it, that. Give it like 24 hours and then, and then mm. everything will be back to normal again. Fair enough, mate, fair enough. No, yeah, so, so yeah, I mean, he's, he's yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's my idol as well. Like, yeah. uh, he was the first DJ, one of the first DJs I'd ever seen at Korean back in the day. I went to his... Uh, the San Francisco Global Underground launch party oh, at Cream wow. in nineteen ninety seven. And that was just That's like seventeen year old me was just like, What the fuck is this? <laughs> and to be honest with you, the first day in the studio with me and Sash in LA when we were we we started working together on like scene delete, yeah. like seventeen year old me was still like inside yeah, me nice. doing backflips. Thirty five yeah, yeah, yeah. year old me's like yeah, cool, whatever, yeah, yeah, do you want a yeah. coffee, blah, blah, blah. But, like, in the yeah. side, I'm just like, fucking hell, what the fuck's going on here? And, uh, you yeah, know, what's fun. great about him is, like, he's he's so instinctive, like, and he doesn't think about that. He's not he's not analytical about his art yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah. He just allows it to happen, whereas I massively overthink everything all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, basically, there was this one situation where I was, like, we were working on this track, and I said to him, like, what's this about? Yeah. What's this song about? Like, 
because it would really help me to understand like where we're going with this yeah, so yeah, i can yeah. kind of like help shape it in the right way and he looked at me like i had two heads he went what, what are you talking about just like <laughs> the fucking thing just get on with it do you know what i mean and like that yeah. was a real education for me because like i i was like kind of putting so many like you know aesthetic yeah, philosophical exactly, yeah. not obstacles but it's no, but like it's the same it's the same with yeah. me like I'm, I'm torn between both of those two places on a lot of stuff that i work on I, I, when i moved down to brighton i moved down to study music uh, on I did like a very hipster course which is basically the course title is sound design sound art what's it called sound sound art i can't even what it's called sound it's like sound design and sound art basically so it's all about the conceptual side of music and sound and things like that and we studied like john cage and steve reich and philip glass and all this sort of stuff like minimalism compositions and experimental music and stockhouse and all this sort of stuff and all the things that kind of gave birth to what we now consider electronic music so i'm heavily kind of half of me is heavily involved in this supremely conceptual side of music where every individual sound kind of is there for a reason and everything has to be described and explained and has like some sort of variable and some sort of weight within the song mm. combined with just make it fucking sound good so that people <laughs> dance Do you know what I mean? it's like and then like these two polar opposite sort of things trying to kind of come together and, and mm. work together and it's yeah it can be a bit of a sometimes i'm in the studio and i don't know which version i am Do you mm. know what i mean it's just it's it's and almost like trying to force one into the other. It's yeah, it's, it's a bit bizarre. Yeah, it was really funny actually. Like this is where kind of like we can cross the Rubicon of like both sorts of football and music a little bit again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was I was watching the Champions League final in 2019. Yeah. Like Which when one? we the, when, when we won? beat when, when we beat Spurs, yeah. Okay, yeah. We don't we don't talk about the other one. No, um, yeah. We don't well, talk about 2018. Is, the thing is, so just as a caveat, I, like I, the the Liverpool fans that I'm fa- the friends that I'm that. Are, that I used to go and watch a bunch of games together, and I think I was the curse. Right. A, a lot of the times we went to see the games, like we went to the game where which game would, we went to the Barca game first leg, and we watched it in Patterns in Brighton, the club in right. Brighton, because they yeah. they had like a Liverpool supporters club thing that was on there, and it was what was it whatever it was four nil or three nil to three nil Barca, was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah, and I remember thinking Christ this is going to be a nightmare. My mate Stevie was like well. Either either we're out or next week at Anfield is going to be one of the best nights of our lives, sort of thing. And I was like, well, I'm away well, next mate. week. I'm going to miss next week. I can't, I can't, I can't come and watch it with you. So I missed that. I all, but I was there as well for the final in the Madrid final as well. Yeah. So it's just yeah. like I, I can't. But then I missed the Champions League final in uh, the Spurs game. All right, yeah, fair enough. So yeah, fair and enough. Enough. So, I was like, I'm not going to come with you anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, please stuff. don't. Please yeah. don't. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to ask you not to do that anymore. So basically, I was in the same pub that I watched. The Istanbul final in 2005, it was a bit of a lucky charm thing, basically. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, get, I get outside the pub and Yousef's out there. Wow. <laughs> like, so because like, Yousef's from the same yeah. part of Liverpool, like, you know, we're yeah. good friends, like, we've known each other for years. Like, I mean, I go way back with him. Like, I was selling vinyl to him in, like, 1995 in record oh, stores on my work experience, on my GCSEs. Nice. And, you know, he's, 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 you know, he's, he's a red as well. And um, you know, we're watching the game and everything, and then like half time comes and like music talk starts over a yeah, pint yeah. and all that. And you know, we, I was talking to him about my process because he'd heard like my bedrock EP had come out like a few months earlier. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he was like, "It's like it's really, you know, you're really well. It's really so skilled. Like you know what you do is so amazing." And I was explaining the process to him, and he just went, "Can I just stop you there?" And I was like, "What?" He goes. Have you ever thought about switching your brain off in the studio, Paul, and like engaging your heart a little bit more? Yeah. And I was like. Yeah, that is my problem. <laughs> like, I am so, like, intellectually in my own way yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. the time. Because, again, for similar things, like, because in a different way, like, I 
you know, I've got two degrees, like my second degree is in audio engineering. Yeah. So I have all of that, the physics, the acoustics, the yeah, music yeah, yeah. theory. I have everything just broiling and rolling around in my head at all times. And that it's tough. a challenge then. Because then, does, yeah. I guess you're, you're trying to input all of that stuff into almost every single song, into every single part of every song. It's yeah. just, I've got so much in here that I can get into the song. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm the same sort of thing. There'll be, there'll be certain situations where I'm like, I'm, I, I want to use a certain technique. And it's like, well, why am I segueing this thing that doesn't belong here into mm-hmm. this piece of music? It doesn't need to go there. It's just because I can that I'm doing it and because I know about it. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, yeah. and I've found oh, myself, yeah. I've, I've opened up old projects and been like, why did I make that decision? Why have I made that? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's just a mess. Why am I making it so complicated? Because yeah, exactly. it becomes like an almost like an intellectual pissing contest with yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely, completely. You know, yeah, and it's it, it's hard. Like, and it's it's funny because you know, um, one of one of my one of my dearest and and, and closest friends in the scene these days is uh, Patrice Baumel. Okay, yeah, and he's completely the opposite. He is, isn't he? I think I remember watching what did I, I watched the thing that the Beatport video. Beatport that he did. one, yeah, it's yeah. insane. And Dude, it's just like, yeah, everyone's just watched that it. about twenty it's times. So it's good, hilarious. Dude. Yeah, it's like the the, the 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 great thing about it though is it it almost um, and I think the same with these sort of platforms. Growing up writing music, because I, similar to you, like I kind of I started writing music a long, long time ago, and I kind of drifted in and out of doing stuff, and I wasn't taking it seriously for, I don't know, fifteen years, I guess, and then it's only recently that I've started taking myself seriously with it. But I remember learning about writing, like music production and stuff. There wasn't these platforms didn't exist, so you didn't mm. really learn. You learned techniques and things like that, and you learned a lot of stuff off your own back, but you didn't really learn about what other people were doing. And now the thing, the thing that I most enjoy about all these sort of things is hearing about other artists and producers and what they're doing and how they work. And it's almost like, oh, I'm allowed to do that because that guy does it and he's super successful or that girl does it and she's super successful. Do you know what I mean? It's like it kind of allows you to sort of break the rule, like be okay with breaking the rules that you were breaking. Whereas in the past, I'd be like, I don't know if I should be doing this because mm. it feels like cheating almost. Well, that's it. That's it. I mean, my first ever audio engineering teacher on my first day at audio engineering school, I went to SAE up here in Liverpool. Mm. Um, and it was one of those stories where, you know, I did did the qualification and then on the day I graduated, they gave me a teaching job. Wow. And because I was just so much of a pain in their arse, basically. Yeah. And there was like jokes going around that I was like, basically, I was going to move a bed into one of the live rooms in one of the <laughs> studios because I was just there, just there. Yeah, every yeah. minute of the day that I could do. And I'll never forget it. It's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever been given. Not just about music, but just in life in general. Like Xander yeah. Snell, his name was, great guy. And he said to me, Paul, I'm going to teach you every rule in the book so you know how to break every single one of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's and that's it. totally it. And it's like, that's where that kind of like awareness comes from, or that hyper-awareness yeah. of like, okay, I'm breaking this rule for this reason and it's going to get me here yeah, you know that kind of thing, and that, that that's where like analysis can can become paralysis. Yeah, a little bit. yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I think like I've done a few of these kind of sort of Twitch streams and production streams before, where I've kind of I always I have this ability to kind of say almost the opposite thing of what I'm trying to say. Sometimes, do you ever do that? When I'm just like yeah. talking about something. I was like, no, hang on, let me just I need to think about how to word this. And yeah, and I remember I think I did one where I was just talking about kind of education and all that sort of stuff. And I was just like, yeah, you don't need it. No one needs to go to college and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, hang on, no, absolutely, you need to learn this whole thing. You need to learn about what you're doing and take it seriously and kind of like. But it's exactly for that reason. It's like you need mm-hmm. to learn those rules just so you know how and why you're breaking those rules. Because some mm-hmm. people fall into those into like a 
sort of accidental trap where they're um, they'll achieve the results by accident almost. Whereas doing it and knowing what you're doing, doing it um, almost like breaking the rules in order to achieve that outcome is, is far better because you you learn so much about the process in that in that moment. Mm. You learn first of what you're capable of, but then you learn about the process in that moment, and that's far more important if, in my case anyway. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It's still a process I'm going through now because, you know, I like to work on the things that I don't know so much about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of, I do subscribe a little bit to like, you know, always like play to your strengths, but yeah, yeah. I also equally subscribe to the school of thought of, you know, you can turn through deliberate practice, you can turn your, I don't like to call them weaknesses, I'm more like no, to call yeah. them developmental areas. Opportunities. That's yeah. what, the, you know, the, the kind of diplomatic sort of, description of them would be it's like and it's just yeah it's totally the same it's kind of like you you kind of you learn more about what you're capable of when you kind of make those mistakes when you do those sort of things and when you do things that you're not necessarily good at or when you things that you can't necessarily do it, it you, whereas you don't really learn a lot about yourself when you're just kind of like only playing to your strengths and only going down that route i, I did a lot of music for film sort of stuff after kind of uni and stuff because it was it was or like you know tv adverts and all that sort of mm. stuff and that was always that was great because it was you're it's almost like um you're writing to a brief continuously yeah so it's always it's just always like very refined this is the kind of these are the rules this is what we want you to do mm. and they'll send you like a reference track and it's like cool mm. can you just make a track that sounds like jamie xx and it's like well yeah i guess i'll give it a go and it's like and it's it's great because it's a hugely analytical process of writing mm. music and it's really you know there's not really a huge amount of soul in it it's not you know it's just it's just kind of going through the motions paint by numbers sort of thing but you learn so much about mm. construction and about kind of like um how to sort of almost it's almost cheat almost learn how to cheat with mm. music how, how to how, how to kind of like cheat to emotion if that makes sense Absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent. And haven't done that myself because I've done film and TV yeah. work myself, and you know, worked with some of the sort of bigger composers in in LA as well. Nice, nice. Like it's it's totally true. Like you know, you uh, as a, uh, I think it's, I think it was a book called Freakonomics, and the oh, tagline yeah. of the book was, "If you're not cheating." No, it was uh, the other guys. I can't remember, but Gladwell, oh. like it's a similar kind of thing yeah, to Gladwell, yeah. 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 And uh, like the the tagline of the book was, "If you're not cheating, you're not trying." Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and I and I and I love I love that as a kind of a thought process. Yeah. Of yeah. like, you know, how can I not not hack things and you know, yeah, because there are no shortcuts all no, ultimately, exactly, yeah. but there are ways of you know, like loopholes, loopholes, and like you yeah. know, apply you know, learning different processes that can then be sort of cross referenced. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally found that as well. Where you know, it's funny you mentioned about briefs and stuff, and that challenge of like. Can you make it sound exactly like this, please? Yeah. But different. But different enough that we don't so get sued. So we don't get sued, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. Because like, we can't afford 20 grand for the license fee, so can you make sure, yeah. Well, exactly. And, you know, one of the one of the places that I, they're out of business now, but I was I was working for one of these places in, in LA, and they did, like, they they used to do, like, not the trailers, they used to do, like, no TV spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. For America, for, for movies and stuff. Yeah. And they'd ask you to do something, and they literally employed, listen to this, like, an, an in-house forensic musicologist oh, like music, yeah that's in, that's crazy who would be able to put a percentage of similarity on yeah, yeah, yeah. your piece compared to the reference piece and say right well we're within the tolerance level here so we should wow. be right as far as legal action is concerned which is that's just mind blowing that is insane yeah it's bonkers like it's bonkers but it's funny because like i was talking to rashi the jami about this on last week's episode about like i'm actually i'm working with like a classical 
music expert at the moment. Okay, nice. Because like my sort of theory and orchestration and stuff like that is obviously not so on point because I make techno for a living yeah. and I'm not classically trained. Yeah. And I'm, I'm working with this really wicked guy. His name's Oscar. He runs this wicked YouTube channel called Inside the Score. Okay. And uh, he he's amazing because, like, you know, we were talking about, you know, oh, you know Sasha's our hero and all that yeah. stuff. Like, basically, like, you know, Bach and Mozart are like his Sasha and Digweed, basically. Okay, you know nice. what I mean? So it's quite funny. But we found, like, there's a lot of equivalences or yeah. equivalents between what I do and what he does as like yeah, a classical orchestrator and stuff. And yeah. he came out with a great line, which was like, you know, you need to learn, because we were talking about like voice leading and harmony and stuff like that. Yeah. And he said, you need to learn all about this as much as you possibly can. So then you can forget all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just do the thing. So it becomes like a, an automatic pilot yeah, like, like uh, muscle an memory sort of thing. Yeah, totally, totally. It's like an elite athlete, isn't it? You know, yeah, it's exactly. like yeah, yeah. they drill it to such an extent where it just becomes part of them. Yeah, essentially, yeah. and it's the same in music production as well. Yeah, you know, totally. it, it's funny you were talking about like you know learning platforms and stuff. Like, I mean, I started to learn all of this stuff like before YouTube had even been thought of. Yeah, yeah, same. And yeah. that, you know, if you remember those times, it's like yeah, it was yeah. difficult to even try and get into a studio with someone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it was almost like. And even seen... when you get there, you're then just like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just going to try pressing things and seeing if something happens. You know, it's like so much, so experimental. The process of writing music back then, it's mm. just. And it, I mean, I guess it still is now, kind of. I think you know, I tend to try and keep hold of that as much as possible. I guess. Yeah, totally. I think I think yeah, you have to have like I mean, I'm I'm a big believer in like I'm always talking to people about having like intentional studio sessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, you know, you have a specific not a goal, but you you go into it knowing roughly what you want to That's work interesting. On. That's interesting because the thought of that kind of terrifies me a little bit. Because <laughs> for me it's not it's it's not it's it's rarely been that. It's always been and it kind of it, like up until recently, I kind of started to get a bit more control of my sort of studio work recently where I'm trying to do things at a particular time and get in a, in a, in a, a particular kind of have a particular method and particular structure sort of thing. But I remember back in the day, I was it, it was just like, well, I just write whenever. So if I'm inspired at two o'clock in the morning, I'll go and write at two o'clock in the morning and mm. sleep can come later sort of thing. Mm. And then after a while, you kind of realize like I was, I was a kind of I was a, I was a terrible friend because people would be like, oh, do you want to go meet for coffee? next thursday and i'll be like ah, i don't really that might be just right when i'm being inspired to do something so i'll say no yeah. i'll say maybe and then we'll see what happens 10 minutes before you know the, the time. <laughs> so I just, I just no no commitment whatsoever to anything else outside of my life because it was, yeah. i was so worried about when i could be inspired sort of thing mm. but yeah. recently it's, it's you know i've got into a stage where it's it's kind of i'm structuring it i'm planning it mm. so i guess it's similar in a way i guess it's similar to kind of that in a way yeah kind of i mean I'm, I'm always banging on about like having a like a like a, a flexible but supportive framework to kind of flow yeah. within i think you know i always find like if i start to get a little bit too structured or a little bit too itinerant if you know what i yeah, mean yeah. yeah and you know i start to be run by my diary or my journal a little bit too much yeah i find that kind of sucks all the inspiration out but if i've mm. got just got like loose boundaries that i know i can kind of work within makes life a lot easier so yeah. like i always talk about you know put one session a week aside where it's purely just 
exactly what you were talking about. Like I always call it like having a competition with yourself to make the weirdest noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, just allowing yourself to just, just go with experiment it. Experiment and play and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Because no boundaries. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, completely. That's all it is now. It's just a case of like picking up ideas as and when you can. And if you're if you're you know if you're under pressure to write and if there's deadlines or anything like that at all, it's kind of like well I can't really. You know, I'm, I'm not allowing myself time to experiment and time to learn. I'm I'm focusing on finishing a project, for example. Mm. Whereas, yeah, you you absolutely need all the, as as much time as possible to kind of just sit there and just noodle for hours. Noodle is the exact word. Yeah, it really just, is. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's where cool. all the best stuff comes from, isn't it? That's where yeah. all the you know that's where all the actual gold comes from. You can How? noodle for six hours, and then you can happen upon a, some on something and finish a song in the space of three or four hours, and then that's it. It's done yeah exactly exactly and how are you meant to like develop a a sound or an aesthetic yeah, for exactly, yourself yeah, yeah. without that kind of you know sandbox to kind of play in yeah. outside of the the pressures of actually trying to create a thing yeah you know yeah, it's yeah. like you know I, I, I always liken it to when i talk to people like you know the the main thing that i see a lot of artists make the mistake of is that they try and do everything at once yeah, 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 and then they get massively confused about what they're meant to be doing at that moment. So I'm yeah. all for like sort of again like separating the the processes out into like little interconnected silos. Yeah, almost. yeah, yeah. And it's it's amazing to me because like I see artists and they're like, I'm just trying to get the sound design on this thing right, and it's like, dude, you're halfway through the fucking arrangement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like you need to figure out your sense of priority here because it's like the, yeah. the analogy I always use is, you know, Michelangelo. You know, wouldn't have wouldn't have been doodling on the side of the Sistine yeah. Chapel trying to figure out how to make it look good. Yeah. You know, he, he wouldn't have been putting that paint on the canvas. He would have gone in yeah. with a pretty it's fair mind. Yeah, or he yeah. would have had like a separate canvas that he could experiment with and get right, and then he would be able to go and put that on the final piece. You know, yeah. So yeah, yeah. You, you absolutely need to give yourself that kind of space. And you know, I, I reflect on my own experience of like. I used to lose entire weekends to like reactor where, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I would literally just put my headphones on, get the beers in and like, that would be Friday night. And then you wouldn't see me till Monday. Yeah. Cause I was just like going down the hole of like learning various ensembles and the weirder it went, the better it went. And yeah, yeah. like, I just think of, you know, an artist who's just constantly on that hamster wheel trying to churn music out. Yeah. You're denying yourself that experience of being able to really go deep, yeah, into that and and learn principles, but also learn what your sound is, so those sounds can then be incorporated in future records. Yeah. So you've already got that sort of custom palette to start off with. That's it. As soon as you have that kind of template as well, then then you're like that's what turns a kind of like. A sort of a good artist into a prolific artist is when you when you when you can understand your own kind of template and your own kind of system and rhythm for writing music then you just then you're able to just kind of like knock stuff out and it's i mean you know i'm not suggesting like you everything every single track is phenomenal but at least you're kind of getting to the stage where you're just completing lots and lots and lots of different music and you've got a you know a back catalog of like mm. 10 or 15 demos that you're ready to kind of pump out and send out there sort of thing yeah no absolutely and not every one of those needs to or it or really should see the light of day no yeah exactly yeah 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 if anything yeah you want out of that 10 or 15 you want one or two out there 
Mm-hmm. The rest of them, you know, they can just go back and become different ideas mm-hmm. years down the line or months down the line. I've got, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, I've got tracks like that that have babies. Yeah, 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 completely. Like yeah, the, it's like, the... yeah, I've got, I've got one track that's, I reckon I've had about, I've got about six on the go from this one track at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's mad, isn't it? And it's just, I don't, it's, it's the thing that, what, it's that thing as well where it's like, I go to bed having nightmares about which track I'm going to work on the next day. It's almost like I'm so worried because <laughs> it's like, well, I can't. I can't give this baby more of my attention because then the other five babies are going to get really upset. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's yeah. like, that's, that's, you know, I guess when, when that's your biggest fear, I guess you, you, you know, you're in a good place mentally, I guess. Oh, totally. That, that's one of those good problems. Like, but yeah, yeah exactly. it, it's always, it's always fun. Cause it's, it's kind of, you can, you can always compare that to if you were like a film composer, like yeah. when, when a film composer writes like a, what they call a suite, yeah, 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 which is like almost like the condensed ideas for an entire movie in like a 17, 18, 20 minute, like yeah, yeah, yeah. basically long tranche of, of, a, of it being a single track, essentially. Yeah. That's kind of what it is, really. You know, it's, it's amazing to me because I, I do like I listen to some of my own tracks and it's like, again, because of that, you know, intellectual pissing contest I'm having yeah. with myself, I've basically put like a whole album's worth of ideas into one track because I know I can shoehorn it all yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's yeah. that process of like, all oh, right, I need to break this out now. Yeah. And actually like you figure out, okay, well, that one idea is enough to serve as one record. Yeah, absolutely. You know, That's the these thing. Yeah, two that, can go that into one another hook one. that you've got that you just thought was a throwaway random little arp line on some sort of track somewhere is actually that's pretty killer take that out make it louder done next track move on sort of thing yeah yeah and it's also about like you know again i use the i like to use like the whole painter analogy art analogy of you know you need to be able to get your tools yeah you know you need to get the right brushes you need to get the right colors on the palette that kind of thing and yeah you know i worked very very hard on that of you know, I literally like in my Ableton browser or and I've got stuff saved in Logic, I've got stuff saved in Cubase because I'm all over the place where DAWs are concerned. Yeah. But I've got like these customized modular things that effectively like in my sort of PN sounds folder, it's like yeah. the sound of me as an artist lives in those folders. Nice. And everything almost begins and ends in those folders and i can kind of just parachute things and drag and drop them in and you know that kind of thing so i don't necessarily especially if you get to the point where you're like even without hearing those sounds you're like i know exactly the name of the file that i'm going to bring into this project and it's going to that's going to be added to this kind of like texture layer sort of thing here you know if you get to that when you're at that stage where it's like it's it's, it sounds robotic but it's not it's 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 kind of learned do you know what i mean it's like it's it's like a it's like an experience you've gone through creatively to end up in a position where you can kind of go okay well i can just fill these in quite quickly and easily sort of thing yeah totally and don't get me wrong it can become robotic yeah and it can get pushed to a point where you are going through the motions because again we were talking before like about muscle memory yeah like the muscle memory of just reaching for that same kick over and over again or that same shaker loop or you know whatever you want to say like it does become quite sort of you know like linear and quite sort yeah. of you know robotic and therefore it becomes quite contrived and yeah. that's why i've always it, like bounced between daws because yeah. that, like, i try and bring different sides of myself out but i think that in terms of like because i used to worry about that about kind of feeling contrived in that way and stuff but i think 
the more the more I focus on the kind of journey as to what got me into the position to be able to do that, mm. the less it kind of sounds contrived, if that makes sense. Mm. And it was like a long journey of, of experimentation and kind of creating and all that sort of stuff to get to the point where I now have like a, an arsenal of sounds that I can then kind of throw in. And I know those sounds. I know that kick drum. I know the weight of it. I know the warmth of it. I know exactly how it sounds and how it will kind of impact on this mix that I'm working on, for example. Mm. And it's kind of like, well, it's it's not just it doesn't need to feel kind of contrived because it's it didn't come from a place it came from an honest place originally mm. does that kind of make sense yeah totally mate absolutely and i suppose it's the it's the analogy of like do you know that story about picasso with the napkin no they've heard about this okay i love no. this story right so there's a legend or a myth or whatever you want to call yeah, it yeah, story yeah. about picasso who sat in a restaurant one day and he's there like he's at his dinner whatever and he's doodling on a napkin yeah. And this lady's on another table. And uh, basically, as he gets up to leave the restaurant, the lady stops him and says, look, I'm a massive fan of yours. Like, I would love to buy that napkin from you. Like, can I have that drawing from the yeah. napkin? And he went, yeah, that'll be $250,000, love. <laughs> and she goes, but what, you sat there and you did that in five yeah, minutes on a napkin? Yeah. And he went, no, no, it took me 25 years to do yeah, that. Exactly Folded that. it up, put it in his pocket, walked out the restaurant. Yeah. You know, right. and I think that's or, totally true about like what you're saying about, yeah, about sound selection. It's like, it's took me, it's took you 15 years to get yeah, to that yeah. point where we know that that exactly. kick works in that particular situation. So that is a valid always, tool. That's always the argument as well when people be like, oh, it's good exposure. We can't pay you, but it's good exposure. And it's like, well, okay, well, and it does. You know what you're asking for it, in your world? It sounds small. It's like a like a thirty second, you know, whatever ambient sample, whatever. It's like, yeah, that does, but it's it's not thirty seconds. It's taken me. It's the number of years to be able to knock out a thirty. You know, it's it's it's, and that's a, I think that's the thing that maybe that that's where the barrier is between kind of like people who are creatives and people who are not necessarily creatives, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And, and again, in the film and television world, you know, you're constantly having musical conversations with non-musical people. Yeah, like, That's yeah. one of the more challenging aspects of it. Yeah, Although yeah, I just, I've just had a really random idea based off what you've just said there. I think I might make a cryptocurrency called Exposure so we can oh. get paid in Exposure. <laughs> I'm in. I'm absolutely <laughs> in. That's a banging idea. Mate, if you can have fucking Dogecoin, you can have Exposure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come that's on, mate. insane. That's a yeah. great idea. Should do it. Should do it. All right, All right. cut this bit from the... from the. Thank you very thing. much. Thank <laughs> yeah. you very much. You, you were in the virtual room when it happened. I shall give you a cut. Yeah. We'll do it the Bitcoin way. We'll mine, the, we'll mine a load of them up front, and you can have a million insane. of them, and, yeah. and, 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 and then you can finally say exposure did actually pay the bills. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's genius. I'm actually going to write that down. I'm being you absolutely should. Yeah, no, I, I know we're laughing about it and stuff, but that's a really good idea. And I'm in. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Just the the, the the pure irony of like making yeah. a cryptocurrency yeah. for musicians called Exposure. It'd be hilarious. Sp- only for musicians. Yeah, exactly. And then not letting Spotify use it Ooh. as a form of payment for future <laughs> reference. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, there you go. There you go. So now it's super interesting, like, because it, it sounds like in, in our own respective ways, like, I mean, I love having these conversations because yeah. it never ceases to amaze me, like, how similar 
in different yes. ways like our you know yeah. the paths are between Absolutely. myself and the people i speak to you know yeah. and it feels like you you know in because you went and did that course and i did my yeah. thing and everything else it's like we've took different paths but we've been kind of like pushing at the same thing the same, yeah exactly yeah, yeah a little bit you know that's that's the thing that's the, the kind of crazy thing about all this sort of stuff like i said before there never used to be these sort of platforms so you were always just doing things in the dark almost mm. it always just felt like you were just trying ideas and doing things whereas now because of these sort of platforms people can have these sort of conversations and it's kind of like oh, okay well yeah that's everyone's just doing the same thing really and it, mm. it, it just going about it in slightly different ways but mm. kind of go putting the same amount of heart and brain into everything they're doing almost it's it's yeah it's bizarre it's really yeah. bizarre yeah it is it is considering the weight and breadth of music that's out there and mm. the difference that people are creating like i remember listening to um what was it on it nick cave did a couple of documentaries about kind of like songwriting process and that sort of thing he did like one movie that was like a kind of docudrama type thing which is really good if you especially if you like nick cave as well but it's kind of like there's a bit in it where he talks about songwriting and the way he kind of describes it as he's he the way he says it is like as soon as you kind of, as soon as you know what the song is, it's suddenly of no significance to you. And I've always kind of thought, like, yeah, every single time I write a song, as soon as I kind of get to that point where I'm like, I'm done, I know exactly what this, I, I, I know how to finish this, I know, you know, the, the little kind of sprinkles that I need to make on it and that sort of thing. I'm suddenly just like, oh, I don't really care about it. I'm mm -hmm. not that bothered about the song. I don't really, I'm, I'm, I want to do, I want to go back to the kind of like early stage the noodling stage and kind of like the, 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 the playful fun sort of stage with a new project sort of thing mm. and as soon as i kind of like heard him talking about it, i was like oh, okay so he's like a prolific songwriter who's released you know he's won all sorts of awards and all that sort of stuff released god knows how many albums and he still deals with those same sort of things that everybody else deals with it's just bizarre it's just yeah yeah it's you know, super interesting everyone's in the same position basically yeah totally and it's interesting that moment because i think we've all kind of gone through that where it ceases to become, like, for all intents and purposes, like, an extension of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's almost yeah. as if, like... Something exists in its own little entity sort of thing. It's just like, well... Yeah, that it's moment... It's not personal. Yeah, exactly. That moment always feels like you've kind of cut the umbilical cord on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a weird completely. way. Yeah. And it's like it's become now its, it's got own to fend entity. for itself sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that plays into another thing that I always say that, you know... I always say this to the people that are kind of, like, coach and mentor. And it's like... You know the 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 opinion of your music that often matters the least is your own. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I've had that so many times where I've put tracks out and people like come running up to me at clubs and they're like, "Oh my god, I love that track!" And I'm like, "What that fucking piece of shit?" Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that? God, that was yeah. one of my one of the worst things I've ever done in my life. That's and I'm like, it. no, yeah, this yeah. is amazing. And like, you know, yeah. this Same happened. With, I, you know, I find it so difficult because I. I'm all like with the way I, I, I'm. I'm always trying to better myself. I'm always trying to write better music than I did the day before. That's always mm. that's just always been the plan. There's no other way of doing it. I don't think. Mm. And I think everyone. I think everyone's like that. Or I assume everyone is is kind of doing that sort. Of, is following that same sort of pattern. But it obviously means that there's stuff that I wrote a year ago where I'm like, this is horrendous. This is. Or it's not horrendous. I mean, it's like I've lost complete touch with this track now, mm. and I don't really like it, sort of thing. And then I'll be doing like kind of guest mixes and things like that. And I have a manager, and like, she's incredible she's really she's super supportive she's really really great great but she's always like oh make sure you include your own music and stuff and i'm like oh but i really like everybody else's music more than my own <laughs> it's like put this track in there it's like i'm not putting that in there that's like old that's like two years old now i'm not going anywhere near that anymore i've moved on you know i'm it's mm. like an ex-girlfriend sort of thing but yeah you kind of forget that it's there's still kind of a job to do almost there's still 
a you know a following to amass and like people to appease sort of thing so it's kind of yeah yeah i get that i get that but it's it, it kind of like it reminds me of um one of the single best quotes i've ever heard about dj and it came from like another friend of mine craig richards okay yeah, yeah. and like what i love about craig i've known craig for many years because of i've i'm also like i've been friends with lee burridge for like 20 years yeah, yeah. um and hanging around with him, getting to know Craig and stuff like that over the years at Fabric and whatever. Yeah. And like, what I love about Craig is that he doesn't say much, but when he does say something, it's like it's worth just, listening to. Yeah, you know, he always I love like, people like that. I love oh, people yeah. like that. It's just like just gold every single time. You are almost like, oh, yeah, he's gonna, speak. he's gonna speak. Yeah, it's like um, it's like what we were saying about John Barnes, you know, before yeah, yeah, we yeah, started yeah. recording. It's like, you know, he, he might not have the the first word on something but he certainly most of the time has the last word on yeah things. yeah because yeah. he normally just nails it in as few words possible and that that is craig as well and the way it's the single greatest quote i've ever heard about dj and he said play play for yourself with the crowd in mind don't play to the crowd with yourself in mind okay yeah yeah, yeah. and that is insane. so subtle it's such a yeah, subtle yeah. difference but it's it's massive the thing is as well actually. like like saying that it's almost like oh now it, it yeah like especially with like him and lee Burridge sort of thing it's like ah oh, that makes so much sense yeah do you know what i mean it's like that makes so much sense yeah. why you why the pair of you were so good oh, and why that night why you know that club went from just like just a random little club to becoming what it is sort of no, thing i mean i have had i've got goosebumps now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. talking from, to from, you just from nights about nights i mean i went to fabric second birthday yeah, wow. And you can imagine the scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and even like when they did the Fabric 20, I think it was. Yeah. And I think that was like the last time Lee and Craig played together. Yeah. Or it was like the 18th birthday or something like that. Yeah. And it was still the same. Like it was just, it was it was insane. It was like, like obviously they don't play together anymore because their sounds yeah, yeah. have just gone so yeah, like that. Yeah, and that's yeah. fine. Like that, that is what it is, right? But it's amazing it lasted as long as it did as well. Right? Oh my god. But I know I I first actually the first time I saw those two play together was in the bomb in Nottingham. Okay, yeah. I, I, uh, for Tyrant, I'm talking like back in the days when Sasha was still part of Tyrant. Yeah, yeah. When he was like the third member of Tyrant and wow. you had Teo playing just mega breaks in the back yeah. room. And I don't know if you've ever been to the bomb in Nottingham. No, I never. I remember it was when I was a kid, it was always like a like this is a place to go sort of thing. Oh, well, like mate, one of the, yeah. it was unbelievable because, like, you go down in there and it's like, I'm not tall. I'm only five foot ten. Yeah. But I could stand up and do that and, like, you know, put ceiling. my arm and touch oh, the ceiling. and the, the, Sweaty the, the, ceiling. No, but the floor was white. The ceiling was white. The Everything was white. The whole uh-huh. club was white. So it didn't really need lighting. And yeah. they would do, I mean, like, again, by 2021 standards, it would be terrifying because they would, shove about 700 people in a 500 yeah. capacity club yeah. but honestly like you know the the base in there would absolutely just like remove your fillings <laughs> in, in in at a moment's notice and yeah. when those two really got together and yeah, really yeah. got the hive mind going like they they weren't they weren't lee and craig anymore like you know the, when, when you see people play back to back and it's just yeah, like yeah, yeah. i'm gonna play a record and then this other person's gonna play a record yeah it's like no 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 these two people they became like a th- something else yeah they yeah, became yeah. like more than the sum of their parts yeah at that moment and it was almost as if it be- they-, they became like i don't know how to put it it was like a kind of a i don't know like a, a voltron of like incredible <laughs> some sort of sci-fi thing where 
they yeah, just it's like into each other. It was unexplainable because like Craig's style would go a little more towards Lee's and Lee's style would go a little bit more towards Craig. And yeah. they were just kind of like so simpatico and so like perfectly like, you know, fitted to the they're the best two DJs I have ever seen back then. Yeah, but they they're just unbel- they were just unbelievable. And again, they they did that thing that seems to not really happen very much, and obviously not because of the last year, but, you know, they played records that they knew you would have never heard otherwise, that they knew were going to take you somewhere, rather than playing what they think you wanted to hear. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that is incredibly powerful. Yeah. It really is, because some of those nights, mate, I mean, they played up here. Well, that's what, I mean, that's what, you know, that's that's kind of like, that's why we are in a stage now where DJs are play, paid extortionate amounts of money to go and do shows sort of thing. It's thanks to people like that, that, mm-hmm. that now that this kind of era that we live in exists almost. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, like that, that wouldn't have happened without people like that mm-hmm. and guys like that playing those sort of music and turning kind of sort of club nights into legacies almost mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's bonkers absolutely bonkers 100 percent. and i'm you know i'm impossibly biased because you know well, yeah, yeah. Lee, lee kind of like informally by hanging around with him i mean i was like there's a good 10 year like 10 15 year age gap between me and lee yeah so lee was like sort of my mentor sort of growing yeah, up i yeah, met yeah, him yeah. when i was 19 and was like following around the country and we go to gigs together and stuff and nice. he almost like taught me didn't talk, teach me how to DJ technically. He taught me how to DJ everything else, like yeah, the yeah, way yeah. that he carried himself, his his demeanor, his yeah. approach towards the people in the club, the way he presented music, the way he combined music. He was yeah. he was just he's been and all of that is like that's the, again that's the sort of stuff that you don't really learn apart from experience. You just learn mm-hmm. by doing, I guess. But it's no. so vital to your success and your ability to just spend to do it you know a two three four hour dj set sort of thing it's almost oh, like you yeah. need all of those things as well you could, it's not just a case of having the records in your back pocket you need that entire yeah. kind of experience of yeah. yeah yeah totally and he taught me how to have like taste as well yeah yeah yeah. and like to follow your instinct and, and there was a hilarious thing where like you know i'd be going off and playing a lot and like he'd be obviously you know super busy because he's easily buried at the end of the day and yeah. then like i wouldn't see him for like you know six months eight months something like that and then i'd see him one night in the club and we used to have this thing where it's like we used to go through each other's record boxes oh wow no and way. like literally i'd like literally i'd go through his record box and it's like dude there's yeah. like four records difference between my box and yours here do you know no what way. i mean this is insane it's like we're shopping in the same we're buying the same records but we're not talking to each other you know it's that kind of yeah, thing yeah, of yeah. like you know and it's just it's unbe- it's unbelievable and like you say like you don't get that that education any other way um yeah. i would say actually if you haven't heard it and again i'm impossibly biased but i personally think one of if not the greatest essential mix of all time Isley okay, and yeah. Craig's on it was Remembrance Sunday 2001. That rings a bell. That and does it is ring a bell. One of the most outrageous mixes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'll occasionally still put it on. I mean, I'm not really one for listening to mixes these days. Yeah, but same. Honestly, like you put that on, it just it takes you somewhere yeah. else. Like I'm not really sure where it takes you, but it's just this wonky dubby trippy drug adult stuff going everywhere yeah and they were playing things at that point like 2001 like they were playing stuff like 10 bpm slower than everybody else yeah 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 
And that's the thing because when I listen to like, obviously like obsessed with Sasha, so I always go back to Sasha's essential mix. I always go back to like, I think what was it, March maybe two thousand or two thousand and one twenty seventh yep. or April twenty seventh of April. Actually, maybe it's. I know which one you mean. Yeah. You know the one I mean. I think like, I've got John, it in a John, cassette over John, there. John, like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. So I keep saying to my folks. In my mum's house, I've got a bag of cassettes, all like radio shows <laughs> that I taped off the radio. Like, yeah, mate. What's it called? There's one that I really want, which was, it was either new, it was either Millennium or it was a year after, and it was Bondi Beach, and I think it was Sasha and Pete Tong, hmm. and whoever it was that started, they opened with Banco de Gaia PFN versus a Light remix, and yeah, I remember yeah, yeah, yeah. that baseline like I'd never heard any, and there's fireworks going off in the background and stuff, and it's like I, I, I'd like full-on goosebumps and stuff i've got the uh, essential mix on cassette here right of yeah. have you ever heard the one carl cox played on the space terrace and you can hear yes. the planes going over yeah yeah, yeah. i've still yeah, got that on a cassette so mate good. it's insane like i've got yeah. i've got some of the most iconic ones on there like i've got yeah. um like nights that have been at like pete tong at cream cream's sixth birthday wow no way and i was there and just scenes absolute scenes you know i've got like i've got i've got loads of i've got a load of naughty dad tapes there from stuff that happened to cream back (laughs) in the day as well because i ended up working for them so i ended up getting access to like oh mate mate just some unbelievable stuff knocking around there like you know but yeah yeah amazing mate. but again it's like i think it's important to have an appreciation of that right for where we are now you know yeah absolutely yeah it's completely necessary i think like like i said before like i kind of drifted in and out of music in terms of my personal stuff my own stuff you know but it kind of all started from you know that era that early kind of like well not early but like sasha and Digweed, mm. late 90s early 2000s and stuff and then global underground especially was just like that as a as a kind of like label and as a, as like a collective mm. sort of thing like when they put that when they, they made that movie years ago and i remember seeing like a bit of sasha in there like my mum loves sasha because i was such an obsessed i was so obsessed with him sort of thing yeah. she was like i really like he seems like a nice guy just because i was just like <laughs> just because of how happy he made me sort of thing mm. and i remember in there there was like a thing with where he's talking about bukowski and i was like okay well i guess i'm gonna start reading bukowski now because sasha reads bukowski you know it's just kind of like yeah this 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 is the world that i kind of wanted to be in you know this mm. is just sort of Mm. it's just bonkers yeah totally yeah and it's amazing like because you know he's spoken about it and i've spoken to him about it about you know what it was like because he was literally superstar dj like zero zero one yeah yeah yeah. like there was never one like him on until that came around and you know it's amazing he's handled it as well as he has done over the years because he you know there was no as he said like there was no manual no, yeah, yeah. For it, like you, you were literally making it up as you were going along. Yeah. And it, it's tough because to remain as grounded as he has and as kind of like normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that as he has over the years, you know, because now it's like it, it is, it is a bit bizarre to me because it's like you know I. Well, the crazy thing as well is like how different the world is in terms of like what we do, sort of mm. thing, like that, like how easy it is to get things wrong nowadays mm. and just completely undo all of the hard work you've done. Do you mm. know what I mean? It's kind of, and, and it, there's still people that have been, have managed to never put a foot wrong. Mm. It's just, it's always just been right decision after right decision after right decision. And, yeah. all, and like naturally the right decision and the right progression sort of thing. Totally. Yeah. Like totally. that is an inspiration. Just, just seeing someone who's done that and had that kind of career is just absolutely fascinating. But in a weird way, it's like, it looks like reinvention from the outside, but it, 
also is a kind of a sticking to your guns. Yeah, it's just evolving. It's just in a weird just, way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I feel the same way about about Henan. Mm. Like, because Henan, like, is literally rock solid. Like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. probably bigger now than he's ever been. He's twenty odd, twenty five years into the game. You know, he used to fly from Argentina here to come to Cream. That's crazy. Like to go and see like how can fold. Yeah, not yeah. every week, not every week, because that'd be expensive. <laughs> yeah. But like ser- seriously, like he'd, he'd fly over and he'd come and see, like you know, he'd, he'd be a face in the crowd and stuff. Like I remember uh-huh. him being around Cream back then, and he's just always stuck to his guns and his sound. He's always like kept it exactly like yeah, what he's yeah, into yeah. and nothing more. He's never tried to kind of like you know jump on a bandwagon or yeah. try and be trendy. And again, it's like what, what I think about the likes of you know Sasha and Digweed and, and all the ones we've talked about, all the real greats. Mm. They've there's like a healthy distance in a weird way between themselves and the music and everything else. So it gives them yeah. a little bit more leeway, which means they're less likely to get things like wrong. Yeah. yeah so yeah. to speak. So yeah. it just, it makes things a little bit easier because it still allows them to lead like relatively normal lives. Yeah, completely. It's always seemed like they, it's just, it's always been a natural progression, but then it's all also at the same time, it's, it's, You've never seen them kind of say yes to things that they probably like. They've probably been offered some ridiculous things in the mm-hmm. past, and they've just gone, "Well, no, it's not. That doesn't fit my structure. That doesn't fit my kind of like template for who I am, sort of thing." Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah you know, it, I'm sure that they've been offered like the most ridiculous things that would that would propel them from you know to be in like a, a, a supremely commercial kind of aspect and you know all the money mm-hmm. in the world type of scenarios. But mm-hmm. it seems like they've just been like, "Well, no, it's." I'm happy. I'm fine. Yeah. And you know what? I'd scarcely blame him if he did, because like you know, yeah, I yeah, always yeah. regale. Oh, yeah. There's a number of a number of occasions where like before he decided to become a multi-millionaire pop star, like I had a couple of really good nights listening to, believe it or not, David Guetta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back yeah. in the day, like he's an, he's actually like when yeah, like the, when the very few the, the early 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 stuff was like yeah, because I remember when it was I remember it being really bizarre that he kind of transitioned into that sort mm. of stuff. I was like, oh, this is David Guetta. I didn't know he had this in his back pocket sort of mm. thing it was yeah and now all we know is you know those those memes i guess <laughs> less said about them the better yeah. <laughs> especially because it's my podcast and i'll be the one getting the yeah. uh, the cease and yeah, desist we'll, letters we'll, do you know what we'll, i mean we'll cut this we'll cut this yeah exactly right exactly so yeah i mean so in terms of like your own development then how do you feel like your sounds developed over the years it's a weird one again because i think it's like because like i was like what i was saying we do sort of me- well, a, a kind of history of music for film and adverts and little bits and bobs like that. That's sometimes something I'm fighting against, which is just kind of like, like falling into the trap of writing to a brief almost. Mm. And it's like I get a certain part way through a track and I'm like, well, I could quite easily turn this into a particular thing if I just follow these sort of rules here. Sort of. And, you know, I found it difficult to sort of almost do what I want, if that makes sense. Like when mm. I, a few years ago, when I first started t- kind of taking music seriously again, I, I, I didn't have any other income and stuff. So I was doing things sort of for money almost. So there's a few little bits and bobs out there that I'm not really proud of, but they were just like, well, I had to put a roof over my head and food in my mouth sort of thing. And then started working again. And that was able to kind of cover me for certain things, which meant I was able to make the music that I wanted to make, which is kind of what I'm doing now. It's basically, you know, I'm writing the music that I want to write it's kind of inspired from all these sort of sounds like we've been talking about, like Sasha and Digweed and old progressive house and all that sort of stuff from back in the day. And it's just stuff that I really want to do. It's just sounds that I really want to make sort of thing. Mm. 
Mm. So it's yeah, it's kind of trend. It's it's taking its time to kind of transition into this position, but it's it's yeah, it's. I'm enjoying it. That's that's the main that, thing. That's that's the main thing. That's absolutely it. So in terms of like tools and stuff, like what's the uh, what does the production rig look like? Um, it's Logic Nine. That's wow. So that's another thing as well. That is amazing. I love that. I'm, I'm quite stubborn when it comes to sort of software and things, and especially when, like I'm a huge fan of Apple. I love Apple, but I don't. I, I kind of get quite stubborn in terms of when I, when they make the, some of the decisions they make can be kind of test my patience. Let's say, <laughs> not obviously they're not making stuff for me. I know that, but still, it's just kind of like yeah. So I, I so I tried Logic Ten for a bit when it first came out absolutely hated it i've tried to go back to it a few times i just can't get on board with it and then there was a point of maybe about three or four years ago where i was like actually i just quite like what i'm doing right now so why change it why why continue the kind of like software cycle where you're just constantly kind of evolving with the Mm. soft like why let that dictate my movements and my decisions Mm. why i can be when i I can be in control of it and all that sort of stuff so yeah so i use logic nine basically that's that's the that's kind of how i I love that tell myself that everything's going to be okay <laughs> no i love that i love that because i'll be honest like i'm on record saying my favorite version of logic was the first one i learned on in yeah, yeah. audio engineering college logic 7 yeah like email oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it was the first version of first version that Apple report, wasn't yeah it? That that's was. right yeah that's yeah. right so it was still technically an e-magic version yeah, yeah. of the software at that rate but dude solid yeah never never crashed yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. never caused any problems was unbelievable and like if you actually look at it i was talking to rashid about this last week you know honestly the the plugins that you get now that they're, they're kind of the same yeah that's it i mean that's, it's, it's almost like we got to a stage especially in computing where it's like well it's, it's getting harder and harder for them to make things more and more faster and powerful mm. we've hit almost the level of what a processor can do because they mm. can't just fit anything else on the process so, so mm. therefore software stops mm. being new and innovative because it, yeah. they can't no one has a computer powerful enough to do the things that they're almost designing in the background mm. sort of thing now totally so yeah but saying that i mean my computers i'm on a 2010 mac pro running el capitan on logic 9 which is Wicked. like seven year old operating system on a 10 year old computer mm. and it's great it's, i love it Absolutely. I love it. I love the fact BT actually got his um he got one of his old really 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 old Macs back up and running okay, recently nice. and it was running OS 9. Wow. Like and and he still uses it to like yeah, load yeah. up old sessions and bounce stuff and stuff. It's yeah. amazing like and you know I I know people who are like I've got a friend of mine who's a drum and bass producer. Mm-hmm. And I think he's only just gone more modern now in the last couple of years, but for the longest time he was on like Logic 4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his 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 Logic pardon the pun about it was well you know like now rogers has like got his fender yeah 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 that like makes, and you don't see him change you know it's yeah. like he knows how to play that instrument yeah intimately yeah and it's a bit like you know just because you've got the new brand new multi-track yeah exactly recorder doesn't mean the old studer tape machine yeah isn't yeah still incredibly useful in Absolutely. in in most circumstances they're, right? they're just these are tools at the end of the day that's all exactly, they are yeah. do you know what? Exactly. it's just that's that's literally all it is and it's yeah. the, the second you start treating it as a you know it's, it's the, the moment you kind of put it higher than it needs to be in your kind of list of priorities and you kind of get stuck doing the updates and all that sort of stuff all the time and, and relying on software companies doing certain things to to mean that you remain 
on an even keel sort of thing. That's mm. when you get a bit stuck and you get in trouble. Well, yeah, you know, exactly. Look at, look at these last few Apple updates that are just like completely sort of destroyed studios. In, mm-hmm. You know, in certain certain respects, with kind of software updates and stuff. Oh, and it's, it's like... not just Apple. It's not just Apple as well. I mean, I've just had that with Ableton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I've just gone back to Ableton Ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Live Eleven is unusable. Is it really? Like for me, anyway. I know people haven't had any problems. Yeah. yeah. But I know a lot of people who have. Yeah. And for me, it's like I open up Live Eleven, and I'm not. I haven't got. I've got a 2017. I'm, the machine I'm talking to you on now is a 2017, 27-inch iMac with 64 yeah. gig of RAM and a quad-core i7 that's turbo boosted up to like 4.8 gig. Yeah, not yeah, yeah. a slow machine by any yeah, stretch yeah, of the imagination. It's not beast. a slouch. Most sessions don't get above, like even if I'm doing like, you know, mix-down sessions with like heavy plug-in processing and yeah, live yeah. streaming at the same time, like Live 10 doesn't get above 30, 35%. Wow. CPU, like it just doesn't blink. And yeah. I bought that machine for a reason because I didn't want it to blink, basically. Live 11 takes five minutes to open, beach balls for another five minutes while I decides what to do with the push. Yeah, and yeah. I, hit, yeah. I hit play on a mix down session and I've got like 3000% CPU. Just bottleneck. It just yeah. bottlenecked the whole thing, probably because it's not using the cores intelligently enough. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's just laughable. And, you know, again, like, what I also love about Logic is also one of the things I've got a real problem with Ableton about, which is backwards compatibility. So yeah, yeah, yeah. theoretically, I could send you a Logic, like I'm on 10.6. I mean, I've got to admit, I do like Logic 10 for yeah. a number of reasons. I could send you a session I'm working on in 10.6. You'd be able to open that in 9. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would be able to say, look, this has been with a new this has been made with a newer version. So there's yeah. likely going to be things that are going to be different. Yeah, this but... works, this works, this might not, but it's a tweak to get it to work type thing. Exactly. Exactly. And then like it's the same with like because I'm also I've increasingly started moving over to Cubase. Yeah. Music to picture stuff, you know, it's it's big in that yeah. scene. But I'm yeah. increasingly starting to appreciate Cubase and Cubase eleven in particular. I'm it's just seeing gorgeous. it here, there, and everywhere as well. I'm seeing it a little bit like I think I was watching so a junkie XL thing this morning. I was like, mm. "Oh, okay, he uses Cubase." Or is what yeah. the thing that's kind of showcasing? Yeah, was well, like, he oh, was a logic guy. He was a logic yeah, okay. guy. I, I worked with Junkie back in like 2013. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, <sighs> mate, what a guy. Yeah, what what a guy. I mean, it feels like one of those kind of like, oh, he's he's an actual genius. No, no, so, he's forgotten more than I know. Wow. <laughs> Seriously, that's where the name Junkie XL comes from because he's an XL size studio uh, junkie. Okay. He's just he's oh my god, ridiculous. Like I mean, I was shocked actually. I'm trying to I'm trying to get him on the podcast to be honest. Oh, that'd be and, great. Uh, that'd be good. Yeah, because uh, as I said, we worked together in twenty thirteen and mm. uh you know, I've been like if you watch the earlier seasons of Studio Time, like that insane room that he had with like the walls of modular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I've yeah, been in that before, room. Oh wow. I've been in that room and it was it wasn't a studio. You know, it wasn't you know, it wasn't a studio, it was a synth museum. Yeah, it was insane, and he literally up until I don't know if you heard about this, but you know, in the last few months, he sold all his gear. Oh, really? He sold no, no, sold no. almost everything and downsized because he said actually in one of the videos, like this is it's becoming intense. Like I've got too much choice. <laughs> I'm kind of like paralyzed by how much stuff that I've got, so I need to really thin it down. Wow. Um. Which was is interesting. Was it just was it was he still in the same spot? Or was he just literally? No, just no. I think he's in the same. He's in the same spot. He's just downsized wow. into like a smaller room. 
Um, but it's really interesting because like that's coincided. Him doing that has coincided with him being on this massive hot streak at the moment because you know he did the Snyder yeah, yeah. cut and he's just yeah. done King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, he, he's smash he's smashing it and it's on a much more sort of refined setup, yeah, like, which is like you know clinical sort of. That's yeah. great. Yeah, but it's, a, it's, it's, it's that, similar to what we were talking about before in terms of, like learn all the rules and break all the rules sort of thing. It's like mm. just go as far as you can and then just pull it all the way back again. Yeah, it's just like you know the, yeah. the kind of subtraction sort of method almost. Yeah, totally, totally. And you know he, you know he he told me like because I when I worked with him, he was a bit miffed because I was using logic at the time. Yeah. And he was like, "Dude, you got to get, you've got to get on Cubase. Like, you just really? have to, you just have to, because like, oh, I don't you know, want to hear these things now. Now, I'm, well, now I'm going to start. Well, I mean, you, the way the way that he he looks at it is is amazing, because like you've probably seen like you know his his template. Yeah, yeah. it's nonsense, mate. It's like seventeen hundred tracks. <laughs> yeah, but like I can tell you from first hand experience of using Cubase ten point five and Cubase eleven, like rock solid. Wow. The, mo- the the most solid DAW I've used." probably since logic seven yeah, yeah and some of the things it can do now are just unbelievable like yeah. you know if you look at like cubase 11 what i love about it is like if i'm if i like i, I have to output a load of stuff like especially like you know you were talking about working in tv and film yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. you need you know bits with music bits without music bits with vocals bits without you need this in you need that in you need that up you need that down you need all these different versions mm. you can actually load all of that into a batch process now oh, wow. when you like bounce the audio tasks. and you literally just hit bounce once and it'll just do it all for you in the background That's yeah genius. come back five minutes later it's all done wow stems stereo masters stereo pre-masters whatever that's you so need clever it's, it's so incredible. obvious as well at the same mm-hmm. time I was like, oh yeah why didn't they that's yeah and that's why like, i think like, you start like, to like see like it everywhere yeah yeah, and the script thing with with Cubase is big as well. Like you know, being about to do macro controls and yeah, exactly. all that stuff. So like, it's increasingly like worming you're, its way in there. Yeah, do you know what I mean, like you're getting in, you're able to actually control your DAW completely from the ground up, almost rather than just like what they want you to control. I guess. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Like you know, I love Ableton. Yeah, but it's like I've tried you know, to yeah. get. My- I've tried to use it and tried to get my head around it a bunch of stuff because I'm always like, I feel like I should be using it really for the stuff mm. that I do. But it's just, it's that thing again where I'm like, I'm not really, I'm not interested in learning a new, I'm, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not interested in trying to learn new software, if that makes sense. Mm. I'd rather kind of, it feels like a, not a waste of time, but it feels like I should be using my time more efficiently than that sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, I'm also, then the other side of me is, t- is kind of torn between like I, I'll, I'll hear some of my songs, and then I'll hear some other people's songs, and I'm like, I feel like I can hear when people have used Ableton. I feel like it's, it's got in my head, and I don't know if this is kind of like whatever the word is, psychosomatic, placebo or whatever. Placebo like, effect. Placebo effect, yeah, and just absolute, <laughs> complete and utter bullshit. And I know it is, yeah. But at the same time, it's definitely not. It's definitely <laughs> true. It sounds better. <laughs> Ableton sounds better than Logic. I'm sure of it. I'm certain mm. of it. I've gone. I've seen. I've gone to the lengths of like, kind of like, you know sort of trying to create the same sort of like creating the same tracks bouncing them bringing them into a daw phase inverting to see if there are kind of yeah. artifacts and there have been artifacts mm. and i've done very kind of rudimental kind of like mm. rich sort of test sort of thing but i feel like it i don't know it just sounds better i mean i, I actually think it's yeah. the other way around do you reckon i i think ableton have definitely closed the gap like i all but stopped using ableton from live nine 
Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like eight, like no, sorry, live, no, live eight, live seven, live eight. I just, I didn't even use them. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you consider, I, I, I go back as far as like my first version of eight one was live three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and I personally thought that it became, it, it, it sounded so bad it was unusable, quite frankly. Wow. And I completely then I just forgot about Ableton for a number of years, apart from doing the occasional DJ mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and doing re-edits and stuff because it was just yeah, easier like to do it that way. Just, just yeah. little quick things like that that weren't easy to do in Logic at that time. Yeah, and yeah. I was completely in Logic. I was completely happy there. And then, you know, 9 was an improvement. 10, I absolutely adored. Mm. And 11, I'm very frustrated with at the moment. But, you know, for me, I always render stems when I'm doing... If I make a track, if I write a track in Ableton, for example, I render the stems, I'll mix it in Logic. Yeah, yeah. Because I do think it's got the edge as a mixer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that, again, I'm, I'm start, now starting to find that Cubase is starting to take over from Logic where my mix downs are concerned. Interesting. Because there's a lot of things within Cubase that I now wish Logic could do. I guess that's the good thing about having these options as well. You can mm. use them, using them for different tasks. Because I think the thought of, for personally, the, the thought of switching to a different DAW to create is a thing that probably terrifies the hell out of me. Mm. But maybe actually switching in order to mix, in order to then learn, mm. kind of like trick your 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 brain into like this is how we're going to learn. We're going to mix this track in Cubase. Mm. So then you've only got to learn a set, a, a, you know, a, a very refined set of skills to yep. begin with, and then you'll pick up all the other things. And maybe I'll oh, do absolutely. that. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the way I teach Ableton to people who are either looking to move over to Ableton or learning DAWs for the first time mm. is that against do DJ mixes first. Yeah. Just and then once they drop stuff in, and then once they get that, it's like okay, well, you've just designed your own DJ mixer in like you know however many yeah, channels yeah. in Ableton, right? Well, let's break this out into more production, right? Like yeah. that's kind of how it works, and it's the same in the other way. Like again, like you were saying, start by mixing a track down in Logic or Cubase. I did yeah. exactly the same thing with Bitwick. I mean, I've, yeah, I've learned that's Bitwick. another one I keep seeing as well, and I'm like, that mm. just looks again, it just looks weird. But the sound engine. Pretty- it's actually a load of X Ableton engineers. Is it? Okay, that mm-hmm. kind of explains things. What they've kind of done is tried to take, in my opinion at least, it's a lot further forward than what it is now when I, when I first sort of started using it, but they've tried to take the best bits of Ableton and Logic and put them together. Uh, okay. Which is interesting. It's an interesting concept. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, by far and away, the biggest artist that I know of that uses it is Camel Fat. Oh, really? Yeah, Mick the Scarlet's all bit like loves it. This is Absolutely the thing as well. It. Like, I remember, like, I always talk about like when I was a kid sort of thing, but like back in the day, it always used to be a thing where it's like, if you weren't using a proper DAW, it was, it was almost like frowned upon sort of thing. Whereas now it feels like that that doesn't exist anymore. I, no. I don't know if that's true, but no. it feels like no one gives a shit anymore, which is great. Cause it's like anyone mm-hmm. can just use whatever they want sort of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But I remember like it used to be, you know, if you were using Fruity Loops or Reason, it was like, oh, well, you're not, you're not a proper producer sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Whereas yeah. now it's great. I love it because no one gives a shit. It's just like, just, oh, yeah. yeah, there's, there's so many different options now. There's and so you know, many. FL Studio is like the biggest growing DAW. Well, that's it. Cause it's just, cause trap, just like the entire like market, mm-hmm. just, like hip hop producers that are just like, well, yeah, you have to use this to make this because it's the best. It is the best program to make this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like, Sorry, go on. No, I was gonna say like twenty years ago, it was just like it was uh, like the laughing stock of DAWs, I guess. Oh, totally! It was it was deemed like a toy. Or yeah. Most. It was, it like was one... on par. It was on par. It was it was ever so slightly above music two thousand on the PlayStation. I was about to say the exact popular. same thing. Yeah. Like it was. That you was know, always the kind of. 
yeah 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 funny and again like you know you're right i mean i think that's been on the change for a long time because i'm also like the world's greatest biggest living trent moller fan yeah 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 and he started out on sony acid oh wow like yeah. a lot of those big records like racketed and you know those big sort of early bangers that he made yeah they were all done on sony acid wow with like you know vengeance minimal house yeah yeah just pack. like yeah one sample pack yeah, away you go, sort of and you just pick it apart and just make absolute barnstormers with it. Yeah. There was obviously a lot more to it than that, but you know that was like almost like an early forerunner to Ableton. You know, so it just yeah. shows you, like, I mean, the way I look at it, and and I kind of look at it a similar way to, do you remember Andy Page? No, I remember the name. Yeah, I recognise the name. He was very much, you know, that sort of 2000, 2001, that explosion of like Australian progressive breakbeat uh, okay, that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah like. like- Infected, not infected. Is it infected mushroom? Were they from yeah. there? The, the kind oh, no, of the early days that uh, no infusion. Infusion, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah Jamie, yeah, Jamie yeah. Stevens, and all that crew. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and Jamie now releases on All Day I Dream and stuff like that, okay, which is yeah. cool. But uh, yeah, Andy was a massive part of that. He's now, he's now like Hans Zimmer's like main sound designer. Wow. Yeah. No way. Yeah, and there's a really cool video of. Um, is he the guy? I think I've seen a couple of hands in my videos where he's got his... Is he the, is he the guy using Zebra, UHE Zebra? Uh, well, if you've seen that from the Blade Runner stuff, that's the co-composer on that, Benjamin Valfish. Okay. Um, yeah, who's more of like a classical kind of composer. Yeah, yeah. Um, adapted to electronics. He's great. He's just there's, done the score for Mortal Kombat, <laughs> believe it oh, or wow. not. There's one that I saw where it's like hands in and he kind of introduces his assistant and he just basically creates... He just creates patches in in Zebra, and he's like, "How about this?" And he's just like, "Yep, cool." Yep. Well, he'll 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 like he'll create it with hardware, and then he'll just recreate it with Zebra, and they'll just take mm-hmm. it around to mm-hmm. different studios and stuff. Well, that's it. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, that's been the that was kind of the because I've been mega geeking out on the Blade Runner twenty forty nine score recently, yeah. which yeah. I think is the single most underrated film score of the last ten years. Yeah. Like considering the story of it and everything, but yeah. like that is well, it was Thingy, wasn't it? It's was Johan Johansson, wasn't it? That was originally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that whole sort of crazy situation. But that score is overwhelmingly Zebra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with touches of CS80 to augment the original sort of parts from Vangelis. Like, and I've got I've got Zebra and I absolutely love it. I love all the Yuhi stuff. I'm just huge on all of that. Is that that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I had a big debate about this on a Twitch stream that I did. I I don't know what it is. I've heard, I'd heard Yuhi, and I was like, no, nah, surely it can't be that. But it's, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah Diva's incredible. Fan. Massive like, fan of like, Diva. Like, I feel like another one as well, like another developer that maybe people came in, maybe Apple came in and were like, we would like to buy you. We'd like you to come and kind of develop stuff for us sort of thing. And he's probably been like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm mm. making better. I'm, you know, I'm making, this is, this is my own little thing. Because he's just churning out such good software. It's Incredible. Crazy. Incredible. Yeah. And, you know, they're very close to hands. And all yeah, of that yeah. crew, like there's like the, the big sound designers there, like Howard Scar and okay, you know, yeah. Mel, Mel Wesson, who was one of the guys who worked on like the, the, the Dark Knight stuff and everything else. But yeah, I'm a massive, massive fan of that. Really love the UHE stuff. But yeah, it's um yeah, it's 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 a huge thing. Like so with um with Andy, going back to Andy, which is where mm. we were at, um, like Andy was on this thing with um and it was um 
it was a Spitfire video, but it was a, a round table, and it was like with Ramin Jawadi, who did like Game of Thrones. And, okay, yeah. You know, and Henry Jackman, who's just done like Captain America and the Winter Soldier and all that stuff. And yeah. there in the corner is this little Australian guy saying, Not on a dandy. No way. Do you know what I mean? Because he mad. did all the sound design for like Dunkirk. And oh, wow. He, he's like, he's like uh, Hans's main guy when he does the Hans Zimmer Live tour as well. He does yeah, all yeah. like the live synths and stuff. Like, but that's where I got that kind of agnostic kind of DAW approach from. Yeah. Because yeah, like yeah. he said like a long time ago, Andy, he's like, I use the best tool for the job. Like, yeah, exactly. Different tools for different things. Yeah, he doesn't look at it like this kind of like and don't get me wrong, there's different ways of looking at it. Like a different way of looking at it is like as you were saying, like I, I know Logic Nine so well and that's my thing and that's cool. That's brilliant. That's absolutely fantastic. That's your Swiss mm. Army knife. People like Andy and to a lesser extent myself I love to to look at these things like screwdrivers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they are literally I'm gonna find and use the best screwdriver for the job. Yeah. And that's what I'm gonna use. And if it's Cubase, great. If it's Logic, great. If it's Ableton, great. If it's FL Studio, doesn't matter. And I've got a whole range. And it's interesting because you end up incorporating different techniques from all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And after a while you realize that. Oh, they kind of all do the same thing, really, but they just do them in yeah. different ways. So just it's like slightly different ways. Yeah, yeah. So I find that you know, as I was mentioning before, if it gets a little bit too, I don't know, a bit too like robotic, I like to switch yeah. the AWs. So I'll go and write yeah. something in Cubase that I would have normally written yeah, in Ableton yeah. because I've got uh, the muscle memory's not there anymore. Like yes. I can't yeah, scratch yeah, yeah. that itch anymore. I've got to go and do it a different way, which leads me to make different creative choices has different yeah. outcomes and I might actually discover something in Cubase that I might not have discovered in Ableton. Yeah. And it's just, I, 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 mean, I was talking again, like in the last episode with Rashid about this, it's like, I like to, and again, this comes as sort of the conversation comes full circle a little bit. This is where I found like the lockdown thing really tough because I quite like to shift environments quite a lot. And I like to be, I am a product of my environment a little bit. And yeah, I like to same. be in different creative spaces. Yeah. And I like to, like I find when I create, like if I'm in a different space, I'm in a different studio, for example, or I'm just in a different location, it just brings stuff naturally just something out of new me. to the, yeah, absolutely. I'm the same. Like I'm, I'm constantly shifting stuff. Even, even just in here, I'm just moving stuff around mm. just to kind of create, try and create it just a different vibe as much as possible and keep that if i can keep that fresh then the music will stay fresh sort of thing mm. but yeah so yeah no amazing easier said than done well oh, of course mate of course so in terms of because i'm just now I'm, I'm i'm going into a whole thing of like if he's on logic nine <laughs> like what what are, what are this what does, what does this plugin folder look like <laughs> yeah i've got a fair few bits and bobs i don't mm -hmm. really and i don't use the logic stuff at all because obviously mm. that's it just yeah it doesn't sound that great anymore or it's not as kind of flexible as kind of plugins nowadays i mm. guess so i've got yeah uhi stuff mm -hmm. a lot of fab filter stuff um i've got the uad thingy so this is quite geeky nice. so i've got because i've got a 2010 mac pro there's a it obviously doesn't come with thunderbolt so i had to get a there's a thunderbolt card you get a pci card mm. called titan ridge but you have to flash the card Right. So it meant I had to flash the firm on it, so I had to take the whole thing apart and kind of get by these this special board thing off Amazon for a tenner that I've used once and then never going to use again because <laughs> once it's flashed, it's flashed, that's it. But yeah, it's kind of like, like I quite enjoy that side of things of just sort of dismantling things in order to kind of get them to work, I guess. Mm. So yeah, I've got quite a few UAD bits. 
and that's pretty much it really I, mm-hmm. I, like I try and some of the tracks are they're incredibly busy but then I realize that I, I'm trying to I'm trying to do less and less mm. on every single song you know and if I open up a project from like a year ago or 18 months ago it's just like just eight or nine plugins on one strip that's just one's doing one thing the next thing's doing the opposite the next thing's counteracting that one it's just like mm. well, this makes no sense just mm. take everything off and you know whack an eq on there and away you go no exactly if that you know if that doesn't work then it's not the right sound to start with and you know what you're totally right you just took the words right out my mouth there it's like when i start going down that route or i see others doing that it's like maybe we have a sound selection exactly issue that we need to talk about here you know and like i'm always like and i got this from like working with like believe it or not like metal bands yeah, like I had all stretched when I was just out of college where I was, like, recording bands. And I used okay, to love yeah. recording, like, rock bands, metal bands, you know. Yeah. Just to, you know, just to get experience, basically, more than anything. Yeah. And, you know, I always liked to... I learned the process of, you know, taking time to set things up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and bands used to hate, not hate working with me, but like you'd have to be patient with me because it yeah, was like, absolutely. okay, this is a six-hour session, right? Yeah, I'm gonna spend, spend the first an hour. No, no, first mic placements. Four hours sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have the drums in the right place. I'm gonna get it to a point where the entire band can play together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you've got the drums in a live room. Everybody else in the control room. Everybody can play together. And it is as close as possible to a finished record just using mic placements and very, very minimal processing and on the board. Like a little bit of EQ, that's it. Not not even. It's like (laughs) filters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. No compression, nothing. It's like, okay, I've got to get this as close to as finished as I can get it Yeah. because that's going to be the best signal path it's also going to be the way for me to get the best performance out of the yeah. musicians because if they sound good, then they're going to feel more confident and they're going to feel yeah, happier. Yeah. And I remember this one session I did with this indie band here in Liverpool. Wicked, they, they, they're not together anymore, but Wicked Band. And I spent four hours getting this right. Like, I'm talking minute placements of, like, drum yeah, mics yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And I'm talking, like, okay, I've got the choice of three different sets of stereo overheads here. I am yeah. going nuts with mics <laughs> and stuff like that. And by the time we got it right, I was like, right, we're ready to start recording. The band were like chomping at the bit because it sounded amazing. Yeah. And he'd worked with me on this setup and we literally recorded like a four track EP in like an hour and a half. Wow. Of actual like recording yeah, time, yeah, 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 because they didn't really need many takes because it sounded so good and they were so good playing together. Yeah. And you think about atomizing that process and right, get the drummer in and do the drums on their own and then do the guitars and then do yeah, you know, yeah. and that kind of thing. It's like it, it doesn't work for me, no, not you at know. All. And in the end, like the release version that we did on the EP, the, the vocals was the supposedly scratch vocal that the vocalist did in the control room during those recordings with an SM58. Wow. Because it just, just it had the vibe. Good. Yeah. It just had the vibe, you know? And that's it. That's 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 that sort of stuff that you can't you can never recreate those sort of moments as well. You can never really recreate exactly. that kind of experience because it's just it's it's honest. Yeah. And it's a moment in time. Yeah. You know, it's very much the same, like, you know, sort of going back to working with, with Sasha and on, on the scene delete thing, like we built this hellacious modular rig. 
Yeah. And we used it in really unique ways. We kind of used it as like, you know, the devil's send and return, basically. Okay, nice. So it was like pumping stuff out of Ableton into the modular, absolutely mangling the living shit out of it and yeah. then returning it back in rather than... It, like, it didn't really... Like, the actual rig itself didn't really have oscillators. It was yeah. more envelopes, gates, weird just things, reverbs. Destruction unit. Yeah, just a destruction unit. And it was like we got... We very early on realised, like, we're going to have to keep this in record all okay, the time yeah, yeah. because you we might capture that magic sort of exactly and like honest to god like try as i might you know taking like writing things down taking photos yeah. on my phone <laughs> yeah. come back the next day repatch it apparently exactly the same didn't sound yeah and it sounds completely <laughs> sounds completely different and yeah you know, again there's no undo button and there's no save button yeah. right so you know you've got what you've got and that's it so i actually think there's a there's a lot to be said for that yeah, and being able to capture that as like a kind of a moment in time. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of that's like, always the thing as well with with a lot of music, especially in in like with our style of music. It's kind of like well, you need you need as many kind of mistakes and accents as possible because mm. it's just not it, otherwise you like I, you can go through kind of charts and things like that, and it's just like it's just the same track one after the other sort of mm. thing. There's just so many of those kind of like a particular type of song that's just churned out, and then all of a sudden you'll get one that's just like okay, yeah, this is. You can t- you can almost kind of feel their experience in the studio when they came up with the song. When you hear certain music, I always think that about Patrice's music. It's just mm. like I can I can tell the place he was in when he was doing a certain thing. Because there's almost things in it where you're like, oh wow, that particular sound might suddenly jump out from nowhere, sort of thing. And it's like, mm. well, that was what happened, and that's staying there for that exact reason, sort of mm. thing. It's it's it, it worked like that in the studio, and it's going to stay like that on record, sort of thing. Mm. No, absolutely, absolutely. So I tried to, you know, I tried to kind of rebuild that workflow yeah. in electronic music, which is like I've got control of every every conceivable option here. Yeah. So therefore, I'll spend 60 to 80% of my time when I'm writing a track purely on sound selection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it gets yeah. to such a point where it's like these things fit together when yeah. I arrange the thing, I'm not yeah. covering a multitude of sins with excessive automation. Yeah. Actually, the dynamic of the record comes from purely the interaction of the parts yeah, coming yeah. in and leaving and combining themselves in different orders. And then the automation comes to enhance yeah. what is yeah, already yeah. structurally sound about the record. Yeah, and I think it's that... the best way to learn how to mix as well. Like I always mm-hmm. see people just talking about, like they'll ask me questions about mixing and stuff like that, and it's kind of like, well, all mixing is is tra- is, is is sound selection, really. That's all it is, because you can only really learn to do it if you if you use the right sounds in the first place. Mm-hmm. If you're struggling with a mix, it's ninety nine percent of the time it's because it's the wrong sound, and that's 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 it's as simple as that. As soon as you go and find find the right sound, it's suddenly mixing becomes natural and mm-hmm. it comes naturally to you because it's just like okay maybe just a tiny little tweak here mm. and then that's it then that's all you need to do then it's away you go sort of thing no absolutely absolutely yeah it's totally true and you know my my sort of background with mixing is very sort of different to, to other people because i was taught in a very sort of traditionalist kind of way yeah, yeah where i was taught to mix entirely on hardware okay yeah, yeah. so i had absolutely no visual yes stimulus yeah. at all so I was very heavily taught how to train my... They call it ear training. They should really call it brain training. Yeah. Because you sort of get taught 
to be like again like my teachers on this were amazing because it was almost like thinking about it it was almost like a kind of a meditation yeah in a way it's like you get taught to like kind of sit there and train your brain to shut the fuck up for long enough to so yeah. actually notice what's going on yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's it's that kind of thing so and all i had to go on was some flashing green light on a meter bridge and then a little red led that said right that's too loud that, yeah that's too far yeah. yeah and that's it you know and like how i was taught to mix was in two stages i was taught what was called dry mixing which is literally just level, EQ, mm. and panning only. Yeah. And only after you passed that assignment yeah, yeah. were you then allowed yeah, to go allowed back. To use the tools. And do the wet mix, which was yeah, yeah. you can add the compression, you can add the reverb, you can add yeah. this, that, and the other. And That's great. That's, that's perfect. Yeah. It's amazing how far you can get with just EQ. And not even EQ. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just I mentioned completely... before, filters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can solve 99% of mix problems by using a filter or turning the volume down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, always and said, I always remember reading those stories in like Sound on Sound where they talk about like fix my mix yeah. kind of articles and stuff. And I remember there was one where a guy had written in and he'd, he'd spoken about how his mate, who was like a, like a, like a well-established kind of mix engineer, and the first thing he did was just go in and just bypass all of the plugins. And then start from you know start from scratch, bypass all the plugins and listen to it. And his, and then the guy who'd written the track was in the other room was just like, oh, that sounds well better already. What have you mm. done? And it's like I've just taken off all of the stuff you had on. That's what I've done. <laughs> yes, I've, I've done, done that as well. Else. Yeah. It's like and, and as, as, uh, yeah, I read that. I was like, okay, I'll try that on a couple of things. It's it's so true. It's just like yeah, start from like start from scratch. Absolutely, start from scratch with that oh, sort absolutely. of stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, learn to trust your ears, not your eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's true. Because there is a phenomenon called the McGurk effect. What's that? Uh, and it's like, it, it's, it's an amazing video, actually, that's on YouTube. And it was from, like, you know, one of these sort of geeky BBC science documentary type okay. things. And it shows you how your sense of sight and hearing are uh, actually okay. not as reliable as you think. No way. Because like it looks like but it looks like somebody's saying one thing and they're actually saying something oh, different. Oh, yeah. I think I've seen a couple of those videos. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, they've got like something written down and they'll say the thing and it's like it's completely diff- different. Mm-hmm. To- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. So it teaches you to like, you know, because I went through a process like actually earlier on in my career where I, I basically lost me shit for a bit because unless it looked right, I, yeah. I didn't know it sounded right. Yeah. And I kind of like lost the ability to trust my own ears. Yes. Which yeah. is always no, when you know you're in deep shit, you know? Yeah. Um. So it took me a while to kind of like wean myself off like the spectrum analyzers and stuff. Yeah. And have like a much more, sounds weird, but like a much more sort of healthy relationship with them really. Yeah. Um. Because... You know, you can really, you can really become overly reliant on these things, yeah. and everything now, as you know, like everything's so visual now because it's all in the box and yeah, exactly, and everything yeah. else. But like, you see the tools that I like, I work with again, like you know, you use UAD. I'm a big fan of like Slate Digital and, and Plugin Alliance and yeah, you know, all actually, these kind of stuff. Plugin Alliance stuff is incredible. I got amazing. That kind of mix and master thing, yeah, it's phenomenal. But it's another one of those things where I'm like. I just want to use every single thing on every single track in every single possible way. It's like, yeah. you, you know, there's just so much great stuff in there, but it's, yeah. yeah. 
it's no, just so tempting. Totally, totally. So, you know, if you look at a lot of those tools, it's like, yeah, a lot of them largely are hardware emulations, but yeah. there's no spectrum analyzer anywhere near the vast majority of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've almost like recreated that workflow yeah. in the box to an extent. Yeah. So it allows me to kind of like really analyze like and again it's like it's the old tricks, isn't it? Like turn your screen off when you're listening and Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Deny yourself like, the visual I've, input. I've got one display and I always see people have got like multiple displays and I'll have like the spectrum analyzer on a on a separate screen and stuff. And I'm always kind of thinking, oh God, I could I could put a new display in there. I don't know where I'd put it, but I could have a separate thing. And it's like, it's quite nice not having that. It's just, I have, I see logic and that's it sort of mm-hmm. thing. And then I'll minimize logic because I don't want to, I want the arrangement to kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to, if I'm doing like a, like a playback of the, tr- of the track start to finish sort of thing, I almost don't want to, I want to be surprised a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to read it as I'm hearing it, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. It's kind of like I want it. I want. I want it to feel natural and as natural as possible. But if I'm reading it, if I can visualize it, it's not going. It's it's not going to be kind of natural to me at all. Mm. I'm I'm going to know where I'm going. I want it to be at least a little bit maybe unpredictable sort of thing. No, totally. Yeah, totally. And again, that's the whole exercise of like you know taking it into different environments and listening yeah, to it yeah. there because it gives you again like that shift in environment allows you to shift your perspective on things. Yeah. You know, in in, in, a, in a very yeah. Big that's way. I mean yeah. The number of times I've just like. I'll bounce something and then stick it on SoundCloud or whatever, and I'll go into my bedroom and just put on, play it on my crappy laptop speakers mm-hmm. from just lying in my bed. And it's like this is a completely different song, absolutely completely different song. Not and not in like a kind of like a sort of um, technical way. It's just I'm, my emotions completely gone, sort of mm-hmm. thing. It's just a, it's it's I'm here, it's like we were talking about before. Like this song's now become its own kind of entity. I'm hearing it for what it is. And I can easily pinpoint the things that I don't like about it. Whereas mm-hmm. when when I'm sat here right in this chair, it's just you you know you can't see the wood for the trees. Sort of, yeah, it's a bit of a mm-hmm. nightmare. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. So with that being said, like you know, what what does the future hold? What have you got coming <laughs> out of this uh, this gold mine of a studio of yours? I've got, um, I've got a couple of things. I've I've written a quite a big sort of clubby banger that's coming maybe next month. I think towards the end of next month. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of that came from a that stage in lockdown when I was just ultimately fed up and just wanted to write something that was I just wanted to write to remember almost. It was kind of like a you know I'm ready to go back now. I'm ready mm-hmm. for everything to start again, sort of thing. So that's coming up next, I think. And then um, yeah, a few little bits and bobs that are kind of like peppered in for later on in the year that are just about getting over the line now. So we'll see. But just more music, really. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I like it when we get a bit it's, cheapish and non-specific because it means something big's coming. Well, it's just, well, no, it's, it's, all, it's just, it's also like I think I don't, I tend not to plan that far ahead. I'm, I'm just looking forward to writing more music. That's the mm. thing. I'm, I'm always just like, well, I, I, I enjoy going to bed because I can wake up in the morning and drink coffee and switch my computer on. Do you know what I mean? It's like that's as far as I kind of think ahead, mm. sort of thing. Mm. So, I like it, like it. it's yeah. a very good way to live, mate. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's that thing again. It's like. Like I said before, like I'm a big fan of Apple and a big or a big fan of Steve Jobs anyway. And his whole kind of perspective on them and their direction was all about kind of like it's, it's the journey, not the destination. Mm. And it's kind of and for me, that's a big part of everything that I'm doing with music in like with music and outside as well. It's kind of like, well, I'm not really fussed about that thing that's pretty much out of my hands now. Like I have ambitions and things that I want to do, but it's easier just to kind of think about right now. What can I do right now to kind of enjoy myself effectively mm. and 
you know, it always ultimately involves writing music. So, yeah, that's just kind of has been and will only ever be the focus, I think. Mm, absolutely. So is uh, Torin on the on the horizon when I'd like things to, go yeah. back to where they are? Yeah, as soon as we can, I'd like to just get back out there and just play as many shows as possible. Mm. I'm very – I have this – I have an incredible – horrendous anxiety when it comes to performing and DJing though that I need to hmm. work on that's like the kind of the like I feel like I'm in complete control of every single aspect of my life apart from this one thing and it drives me absolutely insane and I get like in, like supremely nervous and anxious when hmm. it comes to DJing and performing that I just that's kind of want to shake yeah that's interesting it, that, it's I've... weird because I've, I've always had it I've always like a few years ago I did about five years ago I was supporting my friend in his band at my mate Will is a tourist, musician mm. tourist. Um, he kind of wanted to have a more of a live show for his kind of like more of a kind of band like live show sort of thing. So I was like, yeah, I'll come and tour with you and do some bits and bobs with you and that sort of thing. And every single show, five minutes before the show, I, I was just like the worst position I could ever possibly be in. Mm. As soon as I start playing, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's just like the days and hours and minutes leading up to a show is just couldn't even couldn't i couldn't communicate i'd have to just go in a room on my own and just go and he'd just be like why are you so weird just stop being weird like mm-hmm. you've just gone weird again sort of thing and yeah yeah we could have a whole other podcast just dedicated well, yeah. to that mate because yeah, i'm really exactly. into that and helping artists with that it's quite an interesting yeah. thing because i'm completely the opposite i mean i've had that yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but learn to let go of it yeah, yeah quite sort of decisively um that's the thing like i feel like the only thing that really gets me through is the fact that it's like I because I'm so confident, not confident, but I'm so sh- assured in any, every other aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. It's just an emotion. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I can deal with it. It's fine. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like a bad trip or something. It's just like I, I'm, I'm OK in this situation because I know what I've done to myself. So mm-hmm. it's fine. <laughs> just, I'll ride it out and I'll be OK. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm not massively worried about it, but. There's a few shows that I've already got booked in for like later on in the year, and I'm just like, oh, I know that I'm going to be an absolute wreck the, the days and hours <laughs> leading up to that. Well, are you, are you a big reader? A li- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, well, not enough, but yeah. Well, I would recommend if if you if you're looking to kind of maybe investigate that, yeah, yeah, yeah. a little more. Yeah. The book that really turned it for me was uh, a book called Clarity by a guy called Jamie Smart. Okay. And that was one of those. He, um, I read the book. It completely, completely changed my life. And through circumstances, shall we say, I ended up like becoming friends with him. Oh, the wow. author, incredible. Um, and to wrap a little bit of football in it, it's like you know that season for Liverpool where Daniel Sturridge just absolutely just was yeah, unbelievable, dominated. unstoppable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was after he read that book. Wow. No way. Yeah. Yeah, he actually, how I heard about the book was, I think he scored a hat-trick against Fulham one day. Yeah. And he walked into the post-match press conference with a copy of that book in his hand, and he literally uh-huh. said, this book's completely changed the way I play football. Incredible. Like, he's, it's an amazing thing, and it's it's very relevant to music. Yeah. Um, he's actually, like, he's helped DJs as well with that kind of thing. Um, yeah. DJ Crust, the drum and bass guy. Okay, yeah. Is a massive sort of proponent of that. Like, he's read it, loves it, spoken to Jamie, that kind of thing. I'm going to try and get Jamie on the podcast at some stage. Yeah, dude. The principles of, like, what he teaches are so powerful. Yeah. And just what you were saying about, like, 
you know, you're, I mean, even though you're like, you're, you know, you're fit to be tied basically five minutes before you go on stage, yeah, as long yeah. as you understand that, you know, you've got exactly what you need yeah. in that moment, then you're going exactly. to be okay. Yeah, it's the people it. who try and control every single last element of that yeah, are the people yeah. who get themselves into trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, it's I'm very interesting. It it's a great, it's a great book, and it's, it, it, as I say, it's something I kind there's, of revisit. There's been shows I've done. There's been shows that I've done before. Where I'm like, and that's the other thing about you know this whole industry is like, you can't you can't say no, because you'll never get asked again. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like similar with like film for sound, sound film and all that sort of stuff. Like a, the second you say no, you're just out of that little black book. Then you don't go, but you, no one goes back to you, sort of mm. thing. And I've always felt that you know in, that's one of the biggest pressures in this sort of industry is like, well, I can't turn down gig opportunities i can't down sh- turn down show opportunities i can't say no to a promoter unless it's you know for a, a very good reason but do you know what i mean it's like it, it's and there's been shows that i've done before where i've been like on the way to the venue thinking okay how can i get out of this now and it's like i'm on in like an hour and a half and i'm thinking i, I hate this feeling right now how do i the only way to stop this is not to do the thing how mm-hmm. do i get out of doing the thing without saying i don't want to do the thing do you know what i mean it's kind of yeah but thankfully, I've never done that. I've never, you know, I've just plugged away and it's been fine. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, check it out. Yeah, I feel, I feel that. I've, I've felt that myself. And occasionally, it, it always comes up. It's a very normal and a very human thing to feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it also as well. I think where where people do get into trouble with that is when they start judging themselves over feeling that way. And I think it's really important to maybe like yeah. just, just you know, be very sort of gentle and kind of kind That's to yourself it. on that one. I think. In no, in you know, I've, I've kind of, I've had some wonderful experiences on, um, different kinds of. Probably not really allowed to talk about drugs on here, but yes, we like, are. What I, mushrooms? Okay. Yeah, well, that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it just like the, the sort of things that kind of shift your perspective into realizing, like, like I'm a, I'm kind of a man of science. I know exactly what's going on, and I know exactly in those scenarios that it's just a chemical pumping around my system that's making me feel that way almost. Uh, is it? Is it? Well. <laughs> Is it, mate? I've had enough ayahuasca ceremonies to let you know that that might be oh, really? the case, and then some. So don't worry oh, about really? that. Don't worry about that, mate. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm way down the hole on that one, so don't worry. Nice. But do you know, I mean, it's it's like I. That's how I can deal with those sort of scenarios. That's how I can deal with you know. It's just a it's just a feeling. Yeah. It's, it's nothing to worry about. It's just a feeling. So it's yeah. Just, well, it's a manifestation yeah. of your thoughts at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah. Like thoughts become things, basically. And yeah, if you yeah. understand the root of where those things come from, then everything's okay. You can kind of just, you know, again, that, that's what meditation really gives you. It's like yeah. you get an emotion or a feeling and it's like, ah, it's just a car passing you on on the road. Yeah, yeah. Just let it let it go. Like, you know, what, what are you going to be the dog that chase, chases the car? Yeah, yeah. You know, and to use the uh, Heath. Gonna... Yeah, exactly. It's the Heath Ledger thing. It's like, I'm like a dog chasing the car. I don't even know what I'd do if I caught one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's so, so true. Like, so, yeah, you've got to be careful because otherwise you can get really wrapped up in those things. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. In a number yeah. of different ways. So, yeah. Dude, this has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, mate. Honestly, this has been great. Yeah, really, really appreciate you coming like on, mate. Keep going for hours oh mate absolutely this We're... is just this is just the intro for the football chat right yeah exactly now, mate, now, yeah. We, now we do two hours of football yeah exactly we do two hours of like how awful the super league is and how <laughs> miserable this season's been for arsenal and liverpool yeah. there you go but there you go now mate we'll have to do this in person yeah 100%. this was this was amazing and uh you know hopefully the next time i'm down your neck of the woods mate i'll give you a shout yeah absolutely definitely awesome awesome thanks for your time mate 
Thank you, mate. Thank you. So, yeah, how cool is Braxton? I really enjoyed meeting him. And unlike with Rashid and a few others, I have met Braxton. I've met him in person, actually, which was a really lovely thing. And the two occasions where that's been the case so far and beyond the studio, when I spoke to Antonio Tioli from the Amazonic, which is a hell of an episode. Again, if you haven't checked that out, do please have a listen to it because it's a wonderful story. With Antonio and with Braxton, I both, on both occasions, I really, really hit it off with them despite having never met them physically. So it just goes to show you that you can create a connection with someone based entirely off of virtual means. And I can definitely speak to that because a lot of our NYT AAA members, we've not met in person, but we have a very deep connection and we have a wonderful, strong culture across all of our AAA members and we are turning into a movement and wonderful things happening across the board. We've just had Mr. Dan Lamore hit number one on Beatport in the electro and breakbeat category, which was an amazing achievement. We've recently had Beatport number ones with the likes of Roman Gill, aka Architect. He's also stormed the top of the melodic techno charts recently as well and also hitting the tops of the Organic House charts as well with his new collaborative act, his double act with uh, Yoris, known as Solar Kings. So NYT AAA members are going from strength to strength. They are taking their productions to the next level and beyond. So if you're serious about taking the next step in your journey, getting signed to the right labels, knowing how to approach it, how to develop yourself, how to develop your artistic career, and have a chance at actually earning a sustainable living from making music, being creative, NYT is the place for you. And we are growing at a wonderful rate. So if you are interested in doing that, then please do head over to our website, www.transition.studio. All information is there. You can sign up for a seven-day trial of AAA for just one pound. It's a great bargain, got to say it. And we do multiple things. We do office hours where you can ask whatever questions you want. You can meet the rest of the community. We've got a Facebook group for members only, which is just full of hustle and bustle. And people absolutely love that. And we do our weekly live streams on that as well. We do regular track feedback sessions. And if you want a little taste of that as well, we did an amazing uh, public track feedback with our friends over at Hello Demo, who are one of our partners. So if you go over to our website, and over to our YouTube channel as well to youtube.com forward slash make your transition or one word, you will be able to watch a feedback session where I listen to people's tracks live. They submitted them via Hello Demo and then I gave feedback on them live. Gives you a bit of a taste of the level, the detail, the the absolute you know level of attention that we give to members tracks which is resulting in amazing results for everyone and we do those on zoom as well as live streams as well so we can talk and we can discuss the feedback one-to-one as well as being part of the group it's a wonderful thing and we've got over 20 courses now we're heading towards 25 courses it's amazing the 
rate of productivity we've had on NYT so far in the 18 or so months that we've been alive, basically, in this form. So if all that sounds good to you, then we'd love to make you part of the community. We even offer little one-to-one onboarding calls with yours truly. We are truly unlike any other platform out there. We give you the one-to-one attention that you deserve. We give you the support that you need, and we are deeply serious about helping you become the best version of yourself as a human being, as well as the best version of yourself you can be as an artist as well. Honestly, it's a, it's a huge privilege to be able to help people in this way. And honestly, I just wouldn't change a thing. I am deeply privileged to be in this role and helping you. And again, hopefully you're getting a lot from the podcast as well. So I'll stop wittering on. I'll let you get on with your day or your week. Hope you have a wonderful time, whatever you're doing. If you're in the UK, hopefully you're enjoying a little bit more freedom or you're in a part of the world where you are. And if you're not, then, well, you know, hang in there, guys. Keep in there. Stay safe. Stay well. And, you know, do what you've got to do to get through what's going on at the moment. Anyway, I shall see you next week for another dose of Beyond the Studio. Got some cracking guests coming up, so keep it locked to social media, Instagram, etc. to find that. And you'll also find smaller clips going up on our Instagram and YouTube channels as well. Right, that's it. Honestly, no, really, that's it. See you later. Bye.